0: we're set up welcome to cartoonist kayfabe my name is ed piscor i'm here with brian moss brian say hi to the people yo what's going on everybody brian moss here and uncle jeff darrow say what's up jeff what's up jeff (laughs) (laughs) we all just came back from uh manga quest 2022 tokyo japan we got a couple of days uh, of sleep uh back in back in our our homesteads i was gonna say back in the states but jeff is uh coming to us from france (laughs) and uh that gives us a little bit of time to digest the the travels so i thought it'd be fun to debrief the uh the trip uh jim Rugg sorely missed i'm gonna drag him kicking and screaming to uh manga quest 2023 but it's all but confirmed man we're doing it again uh this next year uh brian this was your, your first trip to japan man and it was fun seeing the uh experience through 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 your eyes man uh your, your eyes i could see the, the whites all around the irises almost the whole time <laughs> totally yeah it's one of
1: those things where um it's pretty revealing it's eye-opening because right like so i draw comics for a living and do painting and art and all that stuff but i always felt like there was something missing <clears throat> and it was one of those things where finally when i made it to japan and you actually get access and you can see original art all the above it changes literally the DNA of how I approach comics now. Um, I don't know if you guys had that same experience or anything that you could add to that, Jeff. No.
0: (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, you've been going there since, since early, the early eighties, right?
1: Yeah. I
2: went there in 82. I, I, I saved my money while I was working at Hanna-Barbera and I took a course in Japanese so I could speak a little bit. And uh, I was there for two months the first time I stayed in youth hostels and I went around quite a bit. It wasn't just you know spend a lot of time. I mean, I bought in those days they didn't weigh baggage, so I bought back like these duffel bags full of full of comics, manga.
0: When uh, when we were there, I was joking that I'm I'm the shortest of all of us, and I'm I'm about six two, so when the three of us were together, it was always a sight to behold, and and you definitely oh. felt the eyeballs on you. <laughs> yeah. How. How many days out there, because this is the part I always forget when I'm out there, man. But it took me about two, three days until I got like that culture shock of like the smallness of a lot of stuff. Having to bend down a little extra far to to sit in a chair, uh, going to the bathroom, having your, your, your knees touch the door or the wall or something. Well, it's always one of those
1: things where um, my partner and I, um, been talking, been, we've been talking about going to Japan for a long time. And I'd always say, I can't lay down anywhere. I can't sit down anywhere. Everything's too small. So, I mean, it still was kind of true, but it was still manageable. But yeah, dude, that height thing, we're walking down the street and we look like a freaking wall, you know, (laughs) wall of meat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I always feel really self-conscious and kind of, it it makes me nervous because I think I'm taking up so much space. Like when we went to Nakano Broadway and I'd go into those small shops and I think, my God, they're like, God, I can't wait to do this. This kaiju gets out of here. I, mean, I always thought I was scaring people away. They go, oh, don't go in there. Wait till he comes out. I and it's just probably, well, maybe not. It's just me, but I, I, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, my, the hardest part for me are the chairs is because they're a little lower. And so I feel like I'm kind of, you know, you get into a couch that where or the, or the, the springs aren't any good and you sink into it. And I always feel really low to the ground. So getting up is always like, oh,
0: <laughs> Jeff, uh, you know what? This is real fun to debrief the uh, the trip because there were things that happened that I that I remember that I meant to even just bring up ten minutes after they happened, but just the the sort of decorum of the situation can't be getting too loud uh, in in public places and stuff. But Jeff, when uh, I think it was the first time you and I went to Nakano Broadway, and for for people who 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 aren't familiar, Nakano Broadway is like the otaku mall. Man, uh, maybe 15, 20 stores that can fulfill all of your nerd needs at least or
2: 20. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah you know what there, there actually were a lot that uh disappeared yeah, from from so. 2019 when, when i was there last uh due, due to COVID and whatever um so so it is it has diminished but mondoraki is still going strong anyhow when we get off the train i don't know if you you noticed this jeff and i would i didn't want to snap a picture or anything like that but uh we get off the train go through the the gate and right next to you was i believe what they call them now uh little people Uh, it was a little person that was right next to you so Mm -hmm. it was legitimately the tallest guy in the station and and the shortest adult uh walking right next to each other and i just you know gave you a couple paces ahead of me just so that i could like soak it all in it was it was it was a sight to behold not unlike you know uh danny devito arnold schwarzenegger twins or something like that but even even more severe yeah yeah I, i i I always,
2: when I lived in Chicago, I would go to the same supermarket and there was a, I don't know, see it, a small person that worked there. And I always felt so guilty. My God, I've got way too much height. If I could just give her some of my, to make her life a little easier. And For people that don't know, Jeff, how tall are you actually? I'm a little over 6'6". Yeah. yeah. And it was like one of those things where you know, I was in school I was six-two when I got out of high school, so I kept growing, and uh, but the other kids were, that were in the sports were annoyed with me because I wasn't at all athletic, and I think it's like it's all so wasted on this big idiot. You know, he talks about his comic books and you know that he won a no prize, and you know he draws these goofy pictures, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I got that put on me also, man, being uh, tall and uncoordinated. Why, why don't you play basketball, dude? Because I can't. You don't want to see that yeah. mess, man. Well, yeah, yeah, and you'd have like,
2: I'm off the. So it was just that they'd have the, in, in uh, gym class, they'd have the, the the shirts and the skins. And I was heavy and I was very self conscious. And that the, those coaches would always like, okay, Daryl, on skins. Just embarrass me. Yeah. They, they would, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's such a dick move man uh, the, the very first time I, I laid eyes on you Jeff was the first time Brian laid eyes on you also man we, we met you in Shinjuku I, I was there a couple days ahead of you guys mm-hmm. and uh, the first real day that I had there I felt like it was important to to hit up all the Mandarake's at once and I think we clocked in about 27,000 steps mm-hmm. uh, you know the people with me because they have that shorter stride probably hit 30 and uh, it was it was like saying, listen, guys, I'm home, you know, like that town, it was important that we were there. And it's important that we go there regularly because of how they embrace comics. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff and I did uh, the, the Comic-Con out there for two days. We'll we'll get into that. But um, skipped out on the third day, which would have been a Sunday. And I went to a convention called Comitia in, in the same town where people uh, are selling their original doujinshi and stuff. And on that day, there were no less than three comic conventions happening at once in the same city. Like, that's how, that's how you know you're in the place you need to be, man. But uh, when we first laid eyes on you, Jeff, man, that we were on our way to uh, Sakaido, the art store, grabbing some supplies. You brought a bunch of original art to sell at the, uh, at the convention, sold out of all that stuff. So you had to get that little portfolio book for people to flip yep. through. Yeah, so didn't have to you know carry that extra weight. Yeah, I think I left I left it with I gave it to Yo. Yeah, Peach's oh, partner. Yeah. And uh, one of the other duties that you gotta perform once you go to Sakaido in Tokyo is you gotta take the snap in front of the uh, the screen tones. You know, like a whole aisle full of Zippitone screens, or to be to be clear, uh, deleter screens. Uh, mm-hmm. because is a company just like Kleenex is, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody around us is like, what's the big fucking deal, man? But it's so impossible to find that stuff in the States and it's so hard to articulate to anybody but cartoonists. Like I, w- I would post the photos on, on the Instagram and other social media of us like in those aisles and you could see the people who are artists and the people who are not, because half the people are like, oh, that's fucking amazing. Which ones did you get? Yada, yada. And then other people are like, what is that? What's the big deal?
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny, actually, because um, the same reaction um, on my post. <clears throat> Everybody's like, yo, where's those deleters? Can you bring me back some? And, you know, I grabbed probably about a couple hundred dollars in the zips. But then I come back here, I look them up online, and those they're, like, waxing for them. They're charging, like, four, times, four to five times the amount. I'm like, there's no way I'm paying $22 for that. You know what I mean? So... It was pretty eye-opening even there, but there has to be some way to get that stuff distributed here.
0: Yeah, that that was that was the thing that was kind of funky. Like I, uh, when I went there the first time, I, I completely ran out of space. I couldn't fit another piece of computer paper into my uh, luggage. I just had so much stuff, and then my whole thing was like, okay, I'm going back. Like I'm gonna go scoop it up. But then when COVID happened. Obviously, like, they shut the gates on us and, you know, shouts to Chris Pierce, the guy from Comics Tropes, because the whole trip came about because he posted that, you know, Japan opened its gates to uh, to everybody, you know, starting October 12th or something. And I saw that, sent it to Jeff, sent it to Brian, and then in, I think we all made our trips planned, like, within within three, four days of that. Yeah. But uh, when COVID happened, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to have to, there were specific dot screens that I saw out there because I visited a bunch of mangaka and I was going through their their stacks, you know? And the ones that they use f- to be reduced down to uh, uh, like a 6x9 tankobon is the SE60 series. So it's like SE60, SE61 to SE69. So I just ordered those online. And mm-hmm. uh, not only do they wax you for each individual piece, man, because out there in Sakaido, the art store, they were four dollars 429 yen and it's 135 yen to to a dollar right now and when we first were there it was about 150 yen to to a dollar so you know do the math two three bucks for per screen and you know they charge 12 to 15 18 bucks per plus it's being shipped from japan so there's that added shipping charge too and i paid a whole lot of money for those 10 screens.
2: And I I wanted to mention to you, Ed, because when you told me you were shipping your books back, I shipped two boxes back, and I didn't mention this, I didn't want to make it. But I was gonna, I just, because when i have been there before, i just go into the post office, fill out the forms and send it, it was really easy. They've changed it to where now you're supposed to do it online. Yeah. What? And maybe, maybe for, maybe because we're foreigners, they they let you get away with it. Because I know like I had a, a friend of mine, he, you know, did all the forms before and met me when, when I went to the post office the day before I left, and I had them gone. But I, I, when you told me you're gonna mail the stuff, well, I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to make you nervous. But uh, fortunately, you did. Because uh, I mean, I got mine. They, they both of them. They were. I shipped them to my daughter, but they, they all got there fine. I mean, Japan. The Japanese
0: postal service is just
2: fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a little funky, and uh, I was prepared. Uh, because my homeboy Aki, who did the translation during the uh, Takashi Okazaki shoot interview that we recently posted, um, he was like, yo, dude, take take my address, take my phone number to make the process so much easier. I didn't know about the digital part, but when I got there, you know, through some trial and error, trying to, you know, co- communicate back and forth, I, I realized that they give you this QR code, shoot the QR code on your phone, and then it pulls up the uh, stuff that you have to... to To put on the label so that you just do it digitally. And then what's cool is, you know, you pop in your address, all that stuff. Um, It's a little bit confusing because there's some weird multiplication that happens because it turns out they want you to list, you know, they're about lists, man. Did you notice every time you buy something, they also calculate the amount of things that you buy? So, so, so uh, I'm not used to that. And I put, you know, one unit one. Um, and then the value total for everything, like, you know, a thousand bucks or something. And then it multiplied it at the end. And after I put, you know, about how many books were in there, but after you do all that, all that shit, um, you pop in your email address and then it emails you a QR code. You take this QR code over to this other station, just put it underneath the little scanner and it spits out your digital, your digitally printed label that they can then just like slap on there so it was super simple and uh it has tracking so i've been tracking my stuff and one i sent two packages and because that yen is so cheap it's fucking hard to spend money out there man like the uh, the convention was pretty profitable for me also gave me a lot of spending cash and i'm like well i'm just gonna blow it you know and buy a whole bunch of comics i bought a whole nother luggage at don quixote filled that up to the weight limit filled up two others to the weight limit so i'm like okay like i guess a lot of my money will be spent on shipping because I'm, you know, like, okay, I'm going to buy all the expensive books I always wanted. I bought Kaaba 2. I bought that big Domo that you bought, Jeff, which was, uh, that, that's a story in and of itself. But uh, it was the shipping that really cost anything. Um, so, like, one package was a little over 200 bucks US. And the other one was about a little over 300 bucks US. Um, so, it's not insignificant loot. But it feels like found money because it was just yen that came to me from the Comic-Con and I'm, I'm like looking at the um the tracking numbers right now one is still a little bit stuck like i i but i anticipate it's going to show up within yeah. the next day or two as being at it happened customs happened to mine too
2: yeah one got fast, and the other one was like a three or four days later yeah whatever
0: but uh it, it was real alarming to me seeing this one tracking uh number that said item returned from import customs and i'm like yeah, ah my, my, fuck. my
2: daughter got the same thing
0: yeah like it's just, it's bad wording, you know, because it, it just meant that it, it's, it's a good thing. It meant that it was processed through customs and, and sent through, but I had to yeah. Google that because I'm like, fuck, there goes that package. And, and what that package was, was I just went ham and I've got, um, it's a box with like 17 of these studio Ghibli wow. s- storyboards that Miyazaki and that other fella did, um, for their various movies. So it's every drawing. And when you go through these shits, man, there's going to have to be episodes about this for sure, because they, these are Miyazaki comic books, you know, at the at the at the rawest level. Just yeah. pencil drawing. Com- the storytelling is all there. You can tell everything that's happening. And these are these are sacred fucking tablets, man. Yeah. So so it's like that's the that's the first one. That's the one that's getting pushed through first. But then I. uh Went did, and
2: Brian, did, you, did
1: you have to mail it? Did you mail anything or? Uh, I t- I brought everything back with me in a package, as you know, Jeff, thank you for the gift. Sure. So appreciate it. But yeah, I was able to bring back everything and one, two, two book, um two suitcases and then one backpack. Mm-hmm. I am um, once again, and to Ed's point, I thought I was going to spend, I was prepared to drop like, geez, you know, a lot of money there. And it were, everything was just so affordable. That I was almost like, I had to like pull myself back and show restraint, you know, and not go too crazy with it. But yeah, definitely. I didn't ship anything though, no.
0: That last day I was considering going to Supermarket Sweep because I shipped that second package and I still had so much in my in my wallet. And I'm like, well, fuck it, man. Like, I'm gonna go try to get get another round of stuff. But then uh, reality kicked in and I'm like, you know what, this is the day before I'm going to be traveling for 24 hours plus you know, I'm gonna take it a little easy. You know, I shipped the second package, like at a certain point, pigs grow to become hogs, you know what I mean? So like just be be happy with all the bounty that I brought. And even like Michelle Fife hit me up, he's like, dude, it looks like you pulled a heist on Japan, dude. With like the stuff that we pulled out. Cause I think it what's funny also is that we pulled a lot of the same material out of uh out of uh like the Mondoraces and stuff. Um it was a big willy story man the way jeff got that domu because it was that we bumped into that guy uh uh, japan book hunter on instagram uh koenji sean uh who runs a um really cool business getting obscure manga and, and shipping them worldwide to to his customers and he joined us at uh nakano broadway that one day and uh we were looking at the kind of expensive wall books you know they have these glass cases that have like kind of the more rare stuff and it's all you know the flyest biggest cartoonists of, of the of the day like uh, lots of otomo um i remember seeing that uh Take, takehito inyoa dude who da, did a slam dunk had a bunch of like art books and things and then he pointed that one giant hardcover thing out and it's all just in a j- japanese script or whatever And he's like, oh, that's Domu. And it was this oversized giant Domu. And I was like, oh, man, that must be the size of the original art. Imagine that two-page spread of uh, old man Cho's face. Like, what must that look like? Jeff Darrow was like, well, let's go find out. Walked (laughs) right in, man. Threw down that yen and was like, yo, I want that. I want that Domu out there. And
2: I I felt bad because I thought, well... I know you kept talking about the uh, the Otomo the the Genga book Genga is that is that the word oh, Yeah, yeah Genga. and, and I thought well you didn't you didn't seem to because I didn't want to like snatch it from you, because you found it and but you didn't seem to well you know okay but and then on top of it they had two which was great and they the one that I got there was like a a dent on the carton that it's just this cardboard thing is like uh, and I kept going yeah it's fine I want it. Yeah, I want it. You don't have to open it up. I just want it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah, which was which about a hundred dollars actually. Yeah, but the one that That's I got a great deal. was a hundred and twenty-seven. So that was still, you know, it still brought around about eighty bucks. so yeah. that, you know, eighty dollars right. for this thing. You know. Man. right, right. But it's the kind of thing. If you think about it, the reason why they're probably out there is because space in Japan is so you know that i'm sure someone got and go well, i just don't have room for this anymore
0: yeah because like check that out man and then like to compare it like i have the uh like this is what we got in the states you dig <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we got in the states the and this is the it's a nice slip case it has that like soft hardcover like on good uh, children picture books mm-hmm. and the art is probably the same size as the original artwork there's also only five thousand of these too, so that that wow. that rarity bumps up the, the price in a big way. Yeah, there's
2: the cat there's mine with, and I don't know if you can tell. See the little dents? I mean, which is like, I'm just like, I don't care. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not that, you know. You ever see those guys that go in and they, they got that comic and they're holding it up and they're, they're looking at it and like, you know how? I think I see like there's like one one grain of cyan which is off on the cover and so they're not going to buy it because they wanted to be you know they're going to put it in some slab thing and
0: yeah yeah it's it's mm-hmm. it's silly stuff for sure man uh there was that there was that dude at the comic-con who was like selling slabbed books like he was like the one retailer mm-hmm. who was selling oh, slab yeah. books it was that one guy that kept coming around like oh you guys should have a bigger line like blah 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 mm-hmm. Was he, was he an American? No, he's a British dude. Okay, got it. Oh,
2: that guy, that
0: weird
2: <laughs> <laughs> Really, because he just said some stuff that was just kind
3: of...
0: Yeah, but, you know, there's that social thing that you have to do at Comic-Cons in a way, man, where you got to give a little bit of grace to people because maybe it's like they ain't coming yeah. out of the crib all that often and interacting. So well, if it's we'll like even... another dude here in Homestead talking that kind of stuff, man, that you got to defend yourself or you can't like step out the house. <laughs> but like that guy he hit my last nerve man
2: oh yeah i can't remember what it was that he, he was talking about was like i
0: was like rolling my eyes like oh man this guy has no idea <laughs> i got you cracking up too uncle jeff man because like he was like you know what it occurs to me that you guys don't have a line ed because they don't know that you're the author of red room so i could bring some slab copies here to to, to promote that you're the red room guy oh yeah that and i was oh, like, yeah, was oh, I, was like we, I was like fuck slabs man our comics, we, <laughs> our, our comics breathe. We like to read comics over here, man. And then, you know, he let us be the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. I think he went over to, to, to Peach Momoko and he always, it was. I heard him going on about something. And I'm like, man. Caught several art shows. You know what, man? like I was, I was tasked with being the dude to uh, sort of set c- certain things up, man, which was real unfortunate for everybody because doing that one day I traveled to get there and not sleeping. Like I was a day behind everything, where I felt like uh, Brian, if you remember, like we took a trip out to Jimbocho because I thought mm-hmm. that we were going to meet Machina to go to the Yonazawa Museum. Right. And uh, I hit we're her up. Day,
1: I think, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I hit, I hit her up and was like, "All right, man, we're we're just catching some lunch," and she's like, "Oh, that's tomorrow." <laughs> yeah. And then and then with Jeff, like I'm like, "Oh, dude, yeah, we're going to see Peach and, and yo tomorrow, blah blah blah, all this stuff." And then like, I'm setting it up with yo. And he was like, no dude, that's tomorrow. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> like I, I need to, I need to get myself under control. Like just not sleeping that one day and having that one extended day pushed my internal clock. My mental clock was completely off by like 24 whole hours, man. Like the international date line, that's some real shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we were in Jimbocho also, by the way, like Jimbocho is not, not what it used to be either, man, because of, of COVID and some of the some of the key shops um, definitely are not there that that were there uh, three years ago um, but some of the bigger ones are there and one thing that I noticed was that um, the prices of the Garrow magazines are have have bumped up a whole lot they're either being re- repriced for inflation you know with with the the value of the yen or people are going in and they know the deals that they were getting and you know now things are being priced accordingly but when we went to uh, Jimbocho for for that uh, museum tour, uh, the part that's open to the public on the ground level, it was that cartoonist, uh, complicated name, man. I'll never remember it, but Jeff, he's he's that guy who
1: yeah, the, did, the did that,
0: yeah, that like uh, Tom Sawyer-looking yeah. kid with the straw hat, the fisherman kid. Yeah. I and, can't
2: remember the guy's name. I just, every cover, it's him, and he's like arching his back in his pose <laughs> just like a, a giant largemouth bass in the foreground and i this is the whole idea that that comic exists i find fascinating
0: yeah yeah i mean that's japan in a nutshell too man with these fucking comics like looking in the shonen jumps it's like there are whole stories that are that are that are g- golf you know like of all the you- stuff in the shonen jump that could be well, successful there- and stuff this guy's going to try his hand at like getting a golf comic over
2: there was one on a, on a that became very popular here, I'm popular, but but about a sommelier. You know what that is? That's a yeah, wine taster. Wine taster, mm-hmm. and it's like that,
1: really. I mean, and it's just it's just amazing to me that those things exist.
0: Yeah, I no. think it was.
1: I'll go ahead, Ed. No, go ahead, B. I was going to say, I'm um, seeing that original art. That's where I was referring to, like that. It was really eye opening because I never seen, and I mean just consider me like naive i guess that one line i never would consider drawing just this single delineated line on any piece of art and to see that over and over again while looking at that stuff was pretty eye-opening that stuff was pretty wild when you actually see the original
0: work so it's definitely like a highlight for me the uh the that tour of sawyer shit though like Jeff, how you talk about like with the arch back and all that like there were at least three um two page spreads full full paintings that would have been either like a double page spread introduction to a to an episode or wrap around a cover, and we know what those covers and those splash pages look like. The editors go in and they put all this bombastic bubble lettering everywhere and typography all over the place, and I just couldn't imagine putting that in that level of work to have so much of it covered up. You know, we're talking about individual scales on the tiniest fish with highlights on each of those scales. And then uh, together, like all all three of us, we went to that other art show for that manga. I don't remember his name either, but the comic was called sex, but it's not a porn comic Yeah, has nothing to do with fornication. As far as far as I could tell from the pages that were that were you know on display, furtive glances, lots of furtive glances. <laughs> but one of the uh, fascinating parts about that show, you know, was because the craft of all these people, it's 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 unassailable. It's all there all the time, you know. But uh, one of the things I was making note of there was they would uh, whoever's assistants were because you could see on the original art there would be blue line. To indicate like where zips would go. It'd just be like the side of the pencil of a blue blue line pencil to just shade in. And then the tone would go right over top of that. So it's probably an assistant doing it. But what the assistant would do is gang up the zips. So put like one layer down and then take that exact same screen and cut off like a darker gray level. And we know that like if you are just dilly-dally and just throw it down there without thought, you're going to create that more a pattern. But what this fucking assistant did for each of those pieces, man, and it would be, you know, five ten per panel where they're having these two layers of gray, they would match the dots up so that it would create just these parallel lines of shading rather than just like dots that competed. And we're talking about dots that are a millimeter apart at best. So this assistant is like going blind, matching these (laughs) zips up to make sure that it creates a perfect parallel line of shading to give you a darker value. And that's the kind of stuff that gets lost when you look at it in print. And that's the kind of stuff that the mangaka, certainly the assistant probably didn't get very much credit for. But man, those, those, I didn't buy the book. I thought about it because the, the original
2: art was so impressive. And yet, you know, I was like, do I need this one? Because, I mean, it is basically, I don't know if the word would be static. I mean, there's a lot of static. It's not a lot of movement going on in it. But, you know, those God, the, the use of the craft tin on it is just so amazing. And just the, the level of work. And then they were selling. I was surprised because they were actually selling the artwork in that gallery. And, and it the was prices selling. were really pretty for what those things were. I thought, wow, this stuff is... It's pretty, pretty well-priced. It's not that expensive, I didn't think, for what
1: what they were. And the pieces were actually selling. That was also, yeah. you
0: know. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, when you say static, the, the, the artwork, it's it's unlike a lot of the comics that, like, we pull stuff out, right? Like, I got, like, the Bunko set of Kinnicku Man. And it's such a visual, visually-driven Narrative where it's just dudes fighting cause and effect, cause and effect on every panel, cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. And, and it it was clear that that was a more cerebral story that just takes place through the dialogue. So it would be lost on us visually. But, uh, another thing I noticed with that, with that dude's art show was that, um, there's a lot of vehicles evolved. Like those big tub, like old school airplanes, like world war two era airplanes and motorcycles and stuff. And like the physics that he was able to capture with all that shit. Like he was able to capture the drift of these motorcycles. And he was able to catch like the heaviness of these airplanes taking off. And it all had to do with just the pitch of that plane in the sky. You know, he just had the perfect pitch to make it seem like that ass was so fucking heavy and so hard to like come off the ground. And then when you see the subsequent panels where it's a different moment in time, but that plane is still pretty fucking low. That just also communicates that like, man, this thing is taking a little while to get up there. And, and it's those kind of lessons that you could take from this stuff if you don't know the language, you know, like uh, people were responding to a lot of my halls and stuff like, well, how do you read this shit? And it's like you're, you're kind of missing it, it in a way because, yeah, I don't know the language, but I also have been collecting comics since before I was able to read English either. And you, you could kind of tell what the story is in, in a Marvel comic, you know, it's, it's Jack Kirby paste that stuff out.
1: Mm-hmm. It, um it's funny ed because p- the way you're describing and we're talking about this um, art show people it's going to drive people crazy they're going to wonder what manga this is from so i can just imagine yeah it's
0: just it's called sex but but it's like like good luck tra- trying to type in sex manga and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and to find the name of it so like i have to hit up aki and, and the, res- the results you get <laughs> yeah exactly like i was trying to be more prepared but
3: yeah oh, no, it's
2: all
0: good yeah, uh, there was that but, other. F- Go ahead, Jeff.
2: No, I just get we were in there and the think that that was funny. Was it? There's this table in there, and it had paper and pens <laughs> on it. And I don't know. I, I I think it was I started. I said that I I don't know if I drew something or I did. Oh, I did like a stick figure
1: or so something. A stick man, yeah.
2: Because I thought I thought it
1: was a thing where you know they had people would come in and like kids because it was a really long time. I thought it was a yeah, kid. Yeah, we, we call we call those things connectors in the museum world. It's like somewhere where a kid would sit down and make a piece of art and you put it on the wall. Yeah, and I thought, well,
2: you know, and I just, because the stuff was so intricate and then all these little stick figures, kind of a, you know, the, the yin to the yang, and and uh, and then there were bribes and then just, I didn't, how did we figure
1: out that there was, it was that was an artistry. Saw... yelled at me. He <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> goes, that's for the manga, Kai. That's not for the viewers. Because he would come
2: in and, do drawings for people which was like wow i, I wish we had been there when the guy was there because just that would have been fascinating to see this guy oh, totally same um, draw with kids
0: material also because because <laughs> that is that is the thing not yeah. only was the table super super low to the ground and looked like it was like legos like a lego table yeah. or something yeah uh, but the paper was two biscuits above toilet paper <laughs> i swear to god some of the markers said crayola on them Yeah, yeah i think you're right it, it, yeah and he's like he's like no no he's like he's like we're gonna get kicked out of here man that's for the sensei he comes in every day and draws pictures for people
2: they would have just been like silently i'm sure they were like like, look at the look at that big goofy what is he doing over there he's (laughs) sitting at sensei's table yeah yeah. they're not going to say anything because i mean if we were japanese i bet they would they might have jumped on us right away but it's like what did they you know it's like oh they don't know any better i mean because right that's a thing over there you get a lot of like well you know like even the wearings of the mask uh i was told you wear your mask if you don't wear it no one's gonna say anything to you because you're a foreigner but the you know when we were over there they did all the test i mean everyone wore a mask outside and inside uh but they, except they for the white dudes
0: that, that were walking yeah. around because
2: I, I thought it was ridiculous
0: yeah, all <laughs> Yeah, for that sure. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh like I went to um last time, twenty nineteen, I went to a man art show that was just in the, the Tobu department store. It's a, the icky bekaro stop on the JR line. And uh they they had that section, you know, like they had that section at the end of the at the end of the art show where the gallery space where it's like draw your favorite, you know, muscle man figure and pace it up on the wall so it felt logical but yeah aki embarrassed us out out like uh we we, we ran away afterward we, we hung our heads in shame and they, they uh,
2: had a, they had a miyazaki show um when i was there in like 2009 and they had all these layouts from all the movies and it was just floors of this stuff and some of them were gigantic and at the end of it on the wall they just had this paper and everybody could go up there and draw their own version of totoro Oh, cool. And they had like a big Totoro painted on the floor that oh. you could go and sit on. And then you could go up up a flight of steps and take a picture of you like sitting on the stomach or laying on the stomach, like from the film,
0: which was really nice. So I really like that table. I just thought, mm-hmm. wow. So, Brian, you worked in a gallery space, man, at the at the Columbus Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Uh So that begs the question, man, what happens with all that shit that people draw and put up on the walls after mm-hmm. uh after, after oh, a show comes yeah. down?
1: Dude, they totally filter that shit out, like, every week. Half of it gets thrown away, half of it people make fun of, because usually (laughs) it's going to say something raunchy on there. So it's a constant (laughs) editing. But, yeah, with all that stuff, it ends up just sitting in a stack, ends up going in the trash half the time. But honestly, if you think about it, if you hold on to that shit for, like, a couple of decades, it actually might be worth some money. You know, you might have a genius in there, a little talented artist, you know?
0: There was that one part where our path has diverged, Uncle Jeff. But we thought about you the whole time. When well, we went to Diver City to go check out the Unicorn Gundam, but then <laughs> we had to go to what was called the Unko Museum. Oh well, it, God, I wish I yeah. Yeah, and and Unko is like poop uh, at the at the at the mall there. So uh, we we're just like, fuck it, we're here, man. Let's go to the poop museum. There's this like, there's this like, uh, cute. Look, it looked like a, the Michelin man, except it was a female with a little tip on the head, but it's had the, like you know, like all the marshmallowy parts, ushering you in. And we're like, "Fuck it, let's go to the, let's go to the poop museum." Uh, they they bring you in. They have 15 toilets lined up of various color, numbered, and uh, this guy goes on a spiel about how cute Ungos can be. And uh, he does some growling and shit. And he was like, let's how, how about you all make your own uncos? And And uh, before you get but before you get in there. Yeah, before before you get in there, they tell you many times, do not shit on the toilet. <laughs> like, like there are so many signs that are like, because you know, it happened. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody from Iowa or something
1: yeah they're not gonna put up the warning unless it's happened. Usually and it was those reactionary
0: the the warnings were significant so yeah. then they, they sit you on the uh, the toilets and then you know on a count of three, like everybody growls and when you stand up, there was this little trap door in there and when you look down, there's like a plastic like poop emoji like in their weight in a various color and then and then you put it on a stick. so now you're walking around with this little turd on the stick. Going through the various other exhibits and, and that the stick has a function because you put it into various exhibits and it <laughs> makes the exhibits happen. There are various games like there was the one or favorite room, I would say, Brian, maybe you could corroborate was you go to this room. There's a big screen and the it's a game. It's kind of connected to two microphones and you go to the microphone, you kind of growl into it and uh, on the screen grows a turd that corresponds with your growl so like no, me I, me and Brian why, why, a, why a growl well but uh, well, you know a grunt okay yeah I like mean, a shit grunt but <laughs> but if you growl you have a more effective giant turd ah uh, okay and
1: um Ed's main competition was a little three-year-old girl <laughs> and,
0: and, and, and try as she may she was just creating cute little pellets man but like it has a shy sphincter (laughs) i created these gigantic bitches man that uh like like after after you create yours (laughs) it'll like an object will come up on the screen to compare its size to and uh one of them was was big ben Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and and then aki said that like that's that he's like dude that's a dad joke because shit is benjo and uh like you know after you know a dad who hasn't had fiber in days and goes a couple of days without all shitting out there finally like does his business he'll say i made a big ben so that was that was a joke man so i, th- I wonder if uh there would also be like a sardine or something like a big uh barracuda and i wonder if that has uh, some dad joke uh component built into it also
2: a moby it's a moby.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but jeff we, I mean, well, we I remember I we remember missed the you there
2: school. I just remember in high school there was like one day there's all these, the boys in the bathroom and they're milling around and they're what's going on? And someone had left a big bed in there. <laughs> to this day, it was like a loaf of wonder bread. <laughs> it was it was like coming out of the water. It was so big. Yes, yeah, I've seen those <laughs> we, man. In restaurants we, we, and stuff. We took a picture of it because we wanted to put it in the yearbook. And of course, there's was a Catholic school. And of course, one of the Christian brothers they came in and they. They must have got a hatchet
0: and broke it up to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. wow. Can't get paid enough. How long
1: were you in the museum for? How long,
0: how long was that? let say, Brian, like maybe 35, 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, it was a good time. You know, yeah, about I would say about that.
0: Yeah. Bunch it of picture-taking opportunities. But the reason I bring it up is because towards the end, they did have the piece where you draw and you add to the oh, wall.
1: That's right, yeah. Gosh, I would have liked to have been there for that.
2: Man. Yeah. I know what I would
0: have drawn. Yeah. <laughs> I might have drawn something similar, Uncle Jeff, because, like, Brian, Brian even yelled at me. He's like, dude, you're the only one. Yeah, it was, like, literally
1: shit coming out of a naked, hairy ass. And it, <laughs> ah, it's funny because I posted them on Facebook, the pictures, and everyone likes Ed's drawings. So I'm like. Yes. Ah, cool. <laughs> I, mean, I would have I would, I done a dog because there's, like, that whole thing where the, 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 it dilates. <laughs> but, but Jeff, you kind of um, indirectly did it because when we are at the art supply store, You drew the self-portrait with the unko on top of your head, if you remember that.
2: That all came from, because I remember I used to buy, the first Toriyama comics I ever bought were uh, Dr. Schlum. And they always had, you know, crap jokes in there. I mean, the big thing was that she had a duel with this guy who was supposed to be Superman. They called him Superman. And um, he... uh, (laughs) He, she, she's like this super powerful robot that can just do anything, and and but she won't touch poop, and he does touch poop, so he wins the the fight between between himself and the robot girl. I, think so I he always had that little swirl, that sort of like it looked
0: like an ice cream, like a soft serve cone. I've yeah. I've read that the that the poop emoji on on our phones that we all sort of know, like that's that's a Toriyama, design. Um, Mm. That that comes from him, probably from Dr. Slumpman, because the the legacy of that comic and that character has has spanned the decades. Um, When I was out there for Halloween, I saw dozens of Raleigh chants walking around in in costume and shit, you know. So um, when we were preparing. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. I was just saying when we um, were preparing to do our uh, manga theater episode that that, that translated Akira Toriyama one shots and all that stuff. I was doing some reading, and when the Doctor Slump anime came out, it was on at like 8 p.m. on you know one of the prime channels, and Toriyama held that spot on that network that half hour for over 18 years because it was Doctor Slump, and then it was Dragon Ball. Right after that, man. So for 18 years, that space on that TV back in the day when what? There was five channels over there, maybe less. Yeah. Like
2: I, I went over there. I was over there when Dr. Schlump was at the height of its popularity. And I remember watching it in a hostel. They had it and they were like, I asked them, well, what what channel is Dr. Schlump on? They're like, what is this? They probably thought it was a pedophile or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. They just know. wanted to see it. But I mean, it was everywhere. You could get like Dr. Schlump, toilet paper, Dr. Schlump, salt and pepper shakers. I mean, salt and Dr. Schlump cereal. I mean, it was, I think that they said that year that on the Forbes list of richest people in, in Japan, he was like fourth on the list or something. Was
0: I, I was looking people? in a, um, it was an Amazing Heroes issue. I got it right over there it's from the early 90s. And uh, they, they brought up the, the top 10 richest individuals in Japan six of them were mangaka
3: yeah.
0: the top the top richest individuals man you know yeah, like once again that's that's the reason why we got to be out there every yeah. now and then to just like live in that fantasy world of this is what this is what comics can be and and i you know call it doe-eyed naivete or something man but like i i don't see a reason why we can't we can't have that we just have to like not complain and try to try to make some changes uh right. you know holistically but like I feel like we could have we could have that we could we could share in that space, man. Well, um, do, you, do
2: you know what the percentage is? I mean, what what a mangaka gets on you know the like what, when 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 they collect them, do they get?
0: Yeah, it's percent, thirty percent. I think I think Aki said it was about thirty percent um, on original tankobon, and then uh, like the bunkos and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a different cut. But um, they also they also make stuff during the episodes also. So you know, like these guys it's it's the craziest empires that they build because it's this like sick cyclic little business model where the comic is an advertisement for the anime, which is an advertisement for the video game. And those are like the big tent poles. Mm-hmm. there's probably you know anime or movies. And then there's all the little shit like your salt and pepper shakers. and Jeff, it's in the other room. It it, it made it. Uh, you got me that Kanikuman. It was a oh. eyeglasses holder. <laughs> you put it next to your bedside table, and it's Kanikuman going like this. And you could just put your glasses, your eyeglasses, into it when it's time to go to sleep. Like that—that's a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. You know what there I mean? Are, and that's a license.
2: So many, so many things that I saw that I wanted to buy you, but I didn't know you because I thought, well, he's got too much stuff. And I know how it is because it's like, it's, sometimes it's what in French they call a poison gift. It's a gift, but it creates a problem. And i thought, oh, I've given him this. He said, oh, he's going to think I'm such a jerk. Because where is he going to, or, 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 or I think I said, just if you don't like it, just leave it in the hotel. The well, same that, with you, Brian. If you don't like it, just, just yeah. Well, there's my Koji uh, Masamoto, my favorite manga.
0: Yeah, this is some wild shit, man, that, that oh, Jeff okay. that Jeff put into my bags, man. Uh, This, no, this blue thing that oh, is no. a giant penis it is with a with a nut sack hanging from its face and uh you know its sister right here, is this big face pussy gimmick and his, his
2: name his the name of that character because i think it was as a uh, bob um you know the afro uh, samurai artist told me is because i said what is what is the what do they call this thing it's called the shit eating old man it's <laughs> literally what his name is and that's what he does that's how that's how that that creature lives is it lives off human feces. I mean, it's like, who thinks of this stuff? And why would you do this?
0: Is is this a comic
2: that still is
0: serialized, yeah. Jeff?
2: Well, yeah. When I was there, I bought, it I just got the, the the latest one. I was like, wow, I was in I was in Japan when it came out. It's every week in Young Magazine. Yes. And it was it was in two thousand eight when I was in Japan working that I discovered it. So he's been doing it since 2006 and that's all he's been doing.
0: So the world has changed a little bit out there uh, in the midst of them actually just getting the Olympics. And they were in the process of cleaning stuff up uh, while I was out there because they were supposed to get the 2020 Olympics before COVID. And being out there in, in 2019, um, none of the manga in the Lawson or the 7-Eleven or the Family Mart was wrapped up. And you could read everything you could, you could uh, still check stuff out. And my friends were all telling me like, yeah, they're trying to phase this shit out. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then you go into the Lawson and there's a fucking shonen jump with Luffy on the cover. Right. And then right next to it will be some serialized magazine. It would have like a spread of like, you know, one of the few like Japanese models that they could find with some big ass titties. And she, a photo spread of her naked and then you go through it and there's like a manga like this where it's like a super giant like pussy monster that has teeth. And as it moves through the town, it leaves a snail trail. And the big pussy is like eating the citizens of uh, Edo Tokyo. And that's right next to the Shonen Jump. I'm like, these people, like they got no filter, man. There's like that real kind of seedy part that that uh, I just adore. But they, uh, they recognize it. So that was like one of the pieces that they were trying to get a little bit more pristine for when, you know, Gaijin pop in and are like, what the fuck are you guys doing with all this? So I think that might be. And they just kept the rappers on shit from that point forward. Um, you can't look at the Shonen jumps at the loss anymore.
2: anymore. Yeah, because I, I the, that comic that you just showed, it's called Higan Jima. And uh, it's in this magazine called Young Magazine, which is which is what uh, uh, Kira was in right and that's how i knew it because i'd look just to see what would be in there and uh, but you know it's always got a girl on the cover in a bikini and they're never naked but they and i was told that depending on the size of the bust of the girl they they sell more when they have a busty girl on the cover
0: yeah sure it's just that's you know, universal i, always, I
2: always feel like god you know all oh, here comes this, here comes the you know the guy gin to buy this you know <laughs> thinking it's a skin magazine or something and uh, I was going to say, yo, no, I'm buying it for this crazy vampire monster story in the back.
0: I feel like another book that we all scooped up out there was that Genga book. Jeff, you said you already had it. Yes. So you bought so if, it you know again.
2: Anybody, if you know anybody that wants one, I got, I got an extra one.
0: <laughs> so uh, this is an important book to scoop up. Um, it's something that I've seen uh, online for a long time. I think it corresponded almost like a catalog for that Ganga show that he did in the 20 teens where all the pages of akira were like lined up on those trays in that big building and and there was a like the domu like the little imprint it was like on the wall people could get up and pose with it and shit. this book is important uh for revolutionizing the future of artist editions i feel like uh the approach because it genga i means like original art or something like they call their original art genga and it's not page for page uh we'll do a bigger video on this eventually uh on the channel but it'll just be panels sometimes you know like the money shot panels of say five pages will be stitched together and you just get a big close-up of uh, each of those panels and it's just it's just beautifully beautifully designed uh it's such an incredible work and like if you can't find kaba or kaba too like this one will will serve you well for sure Mm -hmm. And then another thing like one of the one of the items that like we were like questing for from day one of being out there It was like guys. We've got to get our hands on The joint and I see everybody scooping so I'll scoop as well But right as you guys were leaving December 1st November 30th, whatever the new complete Otomo joint came out Jeff say something
2: I'm just going to say, if you need it, go to Amazon, JP. You can order it. It's real easy from Amazon, and you'll get it. I got—I think
1: I got it like three days after I got back from uh, Japan.
0: Sick as hell. B, show it,
1: man. Wow. Show, show the tablets. <laughs> so this thing is probably the highlight because it literally is the day we were leaving, um, my partner and I. This came out, and we were heartbroken because they pushed
0: it back what was it a few days i guess it was was supposed to come out it was supposed to come out december 2nd at the at the at the first and then we saw stuff that it was going to be november 30th yeah and we were excited we're all going to meet at the store (laughs) right and get it
1: fell out (laughs) and uh and so it was one of those things where i just have ed found it and then jeff you ordered yours, and then i just happened some random bookstore Wow. And I was like, do you guys have this? And they looked it up and then they took me out the store to another store wow. to help me go get it. And I man. was like, dude, that is like insane.
0: That was so- the deal. That was the deal, right? Because it had the, this release date. But then several people were like, you know, there are these stores. They want that money f- before anybody. Ooh. And they will. If they got the book, they're going to put it out, man. So so keep your eyes peeled, whatever. I was out in... Um, akihabara or something man doing doing a little cleanup and uh just hopping it happened into a spot that had books probably like the sutaya bookstore or whatever it's called and uh i showed it off um and it was the day before it's supposed to come out the dude took me to uh to the joint where the complete otomos were they had one left so i took a picture of that shit was like brian because i know that was your last day right in tokyo Brian, I know you have so much business to do. You got to get the, the bags and shit to the airport, all that mess. Brian, if you got a second, man, go to a bookstore. Go to the closest one that you can find, man, because, like, it's out. And uh, let's describe what it is, man. Um, I, I did some translation on, on the main page using Google, Google Translate. And as best as I can uh, surmise from the context is that uh, we are looking at the keyframes and some choice cells – these are from uh, the direct personal collection of Katsuhiro Otomo, and it's the keyframes and key drawings from, from the Akira anime. This is book one of three, so there are going to be two other ones coming out. Like, this is cuts A and B or something like that. Once again, this will have a, a bigger uh, episode on, on the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, but it's, like, it's hard to see here, but it's all the key artwork, and then every... Ten twenty 20 pages is another animation cell mm-hmm. to like kind of break up the scenes. And it is just, I mean, it is, it is a marvelous piece of work. One of the best art books uh, that, that I scooped up from out of there, man. Um, I think um,
1: <clears throat> the importance of it is just once again, going back to that documentation and actually having this, because we're talking about um, things that people don't have access to. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you can actually study now for history, so it's it's a it's a must-have, along with the storyboards for any collector or fan. Yeah, man. Like a, a big part. I wonder if some of
2: those layouts are still in existence because I don't know how much of that stuff they would hold on to. Because uh, back when I was there, you know, like well in the late eighties, you could find that stuff pretty easily. Because I, I just don't think they could store it all. Yeah, I mean, maybe they would now, but back then it was just probably, and he probably the fact that he kept that stuff, and I'm sure there are other people that worked on the film that kept some of it too. I wonder if some of it just is gone. Because, yeah, you know,
0: totally, just, totally. I mean, we I know that this dude Joe Peacock that got hold of tens of thousands of uh, of cells, uh, the 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 pay, the background paintings um a bun- bunch of key stuff the dude hooked me up with a tetsuo cell just like as a thank you for putting helping him put on uh, an, an art show and i think he loaned it to uh, the the uh the the academy out in glitter town so you could go go visit all that stuff um yeah. I would but, say that,
1: that's when we first met ed actually uh we went to that exhibition in pittsburgh
0: oh word mm-hmm. um I think I remember, and Brian, you're you're the you're the laserdisc dude. But I, I seem to remember stories of people telling me that uh, back in the day you would get the Akira laserdisc, and it would have a cell included.
1: Yeah, I heard that too. And like, it's one of my fantasies to like find a sealed um, laserdisc of Akira, and actually open it and see if that's true or not. You know, like somebody who doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> there must be a way to find out. I bet. I bet Aki would know if yeah uh, i've researched that idea for years and i i i mean they say it online but i'm trying to find an actual physical copy that has one in it sure
0: yeah I i think that's how my dude peacock got his shit started by uh like he recognizing that like holy fuck, i buy one of these things for 50 bucks and i get a piece of original artwork from the movie like that alone is worth the price and he was just scooping up laser discs to accumulate the first you know chunk of his collection and then, yeah. you know, he had his connections out there in, uh, in Tokyo and rescued a lot of shit from, from the trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the very telling things, like if, if my, you know, Google Translate uh, on this book is, is accurate, and if this is stuff from uh, Otomo's personal collection, um, it's very astonishing to, to realize that, that he might not have known how iconic that, um, that motorcycle screech uh moment in the movie is, you know, how much it got riffed on and, and how just iconic it is. Because he doesn't the that is not in here. Just there's just like three or four pieces uh that are the close-up before the the side well, yeah. of the bike starts to drift.
2: Because I know when I was working there, when they talk about you know in America they say scenes. Yeah. But over there they say cuts. Mm-hmm. So like and we they always would say cut A, cut B. Like it even say a part cut seventy two cut ninety nine hundred twenty three those those were the scenes so maybe you know but
0: I, I, maybe they'll show up in the other books
1: yeah that's what I was thinking maybe they're saving it
0: yeah well well I I, I don't think so uh, I think this is you know it does say cut seventy two but I think that it's going to be you know C D E F
2: yeah probably yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but not have it or, you know, and maybe he gave it to somebody, or maybe the guy
0: maybe he, oh, listen, I don't know, maybe he didn't do that particular drawing. And wouldn't, it be, it. wouldn't it be some bullshit if, like, if some of those showed up in the laser disc, yeah, like, some like college, just some Joey Jerkoff got those? Yeah, yeah. Some college kid like pins it up on his well, wall. That's
2: what, that's what would happen at Warner Brothers. They would, you know, you work on a movie, and uh, you know, some exec comes in there and you just you know, loots the stuff, takes it, because they, they, they think it's valuable for like, you know, like a year or two, and then it's like, ah, you know, let's move on to the next thing, and that stuff just ends up in somebody's
0: garage. One of the things that I uh, actually ordered while out there, me and Brian were sitting on the train on the way somewhere, and you pointed out that the uh, there was a significant discount for that uh, Akira Art of Wall um, collection these like weird tapestry things. So I ordered this on regular Amazon and it was at the crib uh, when I got back. It has an Otomo interview in here that answered some key questions that I brought up um, oh, while uh, you know researching his work and all that stuff. Um, when me and Brian were at that Yonazawa Museum, um, we hooked up with uh, this lady, Miss, Miss Sheena, who she, she was actually, she's your translator, Jeff, uh, for all of your works in uh, Japan from Shaolin Cowboy to, to Hard Boiled, as she said, you know, say hi to Jeff. Um, she takes us up to the archive that, that uh, nobody has access to. It's, it's This Yonazawa guy is the guy who created Ket, the big Dojinshi festival. And uh, he was a uh, reviewer for newspapers and magazines of manga. So his, his collection is extensive. And it spans. What is it, Brian? Like three, four, five floors.
1: Yeah, three, yeah, three to four floors. Yep.
0: And uh, just just wall to wall. Yeah, wall to wall, and it's you know like from
1: floor to ceiling. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it would be like two whole sections of a library would just be like every issue shown and jump from the start mm-hmm. to they they also buy so like they they've been they've been buying like after his passing also so like it's very extensive. Um, but Brian and I were taking a look at, uh, young magazine with the introductory strip of, uh, of Akira. Like that, that's just, that's just sitting out in like yeah, the regular library.
1: Real, yeah. It's not a big deal.
0: Yeah. Now they, they were very proud of that. And like, that's the one that you could touch, but they were like, look, we got, we got this one too. And they like go from the archive and show like the pristine joint, right. but the original two page spread, uh, that is, uh, that introduces the strip is this digital, um, like weather map photo of like Neo Tokyo with the with the sort of red areas of nuclear heat or whatever, and uh, that is not in the Tankobon. They like it's the actual painting that we have in our books. So like on that page one, it's this pixelated giant image, mm-hmm. and I was th- I was like, did this motherfucker paint every single square of that pixelation? Did he, you know? come up with millimeter like grids and just fucking paint by number that she like what did this guy do like it's answered in that art of wall interview oh really yes like What's the answer, dude? it was he took a photograph of it and okay. and there was a mosaic filter that could be applied to the photo so he did the painting and then he did this mosaic photo because he answered some other stuff too like if you have the uh and it might be on the back, like if I, I think uh, Brian, I see the um, Akira Box set from Kodansha behind yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, the back of book three is like a like racehorses running by and you see the image of the the front image of the cover is like on the back. Like mm-hmm. that was the biggest T V screen in Tokyo. It was at this racetrack. It was like the first time they built such a big television. And he's a photographer by hobby and like he wanted that on the back cover he, like he, because he did, there was that one comic called Farewell to Weapons yeah. and uh, if you take a look at some panels of that there are like three or four different versions of, of this comic that I have one is the Marvel epic one and it does not have what I'm about to describe um, but in the original Tonkobon Farewell to Weapons there are these parts where there are these like mech dudes shooting each other And the panels have that interlace of like a cathode ray tube television. Mm. And you're like, what the, how, uh, how do you do that shit? You know? And he literally like did the artwork, colored the artwork, took a picture of it to put it onto a screen on just like a regular television. And so like the panel that you see in those Tonkobon, when you see the interlace lines, it's actually a photograph of the screen that Uh gets pasted onto the artwork. Uh, so, he, so he was very experimental for, um, for what those guys were, were able to do in terms of production values and things. Uh, and that comes up in the interview a lot because, like, you guys, uh, one of the things this past trip out there, it made me respect the comic book format that we have here in the States. And it was Otomo who made me respect it while we were out there because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? There never was a six-by-nine you know collections of akira like can you imagine a blasphemy of such a thing like we have to accept this super tiny domu that we got here in the states but can you imagine a six by nine akira like that would just lose all the piss and vinegar you know and so like that's in the art of wall interview where otomo is like they should what happened was people were collecting the episodes like you did jeff right you like you collected the serialized Akira episodes as they came out in Young Magazine if if i remember correctly right? right so people were doing that and then they were making doujinshis of those collections because it was a long time before the first collection came out cuz Otomo was very he wanted it precise and he was winning awards based on these fan made bootleg fucking collections that were the same size as the magazines because like when they put out their magazines, it's comic book size right. Pretty much, you know, this is the size of their magazines, you know, that's basically comic book size so he was getting dummies back for the forthcoming tenkoban of uh, Akira and they were showing him dummies that were comic size and he's like well I wanted this size like let's just do it this way and they were like, oh, that's too big yada yada He's like nah like he just dra- dragged his feet then when he started winning awards, they were like, all right. He's like, we're losing money already because people are buying these bootleg shits. Like, we'll put it out at that size. And then he's like, well, I want the color blocking on the paper. It's all got to be yellow. <laughs> like, you know, because if you, if you see the sets, it's like yellow, blue, mm-hmm. like the gilding or whatever is all different color. Like, he was just going, getting everything he could, man. And he was speaking about uh, this. This kind of circles back to that Arale Chan, Doctor Slump licensing thing that you brought up, Jeff, because he said, uh, you know, during that, that uh, there was a boom in the eighties in the Japanese economy, and they were just able to license things to death because everybody had a lot of money and could just buy a lot of stuff. So, like, he gets into the discussions about that stuff in there. It's a very, very good, probably one of the most comprehensive interviews that answered specific questions that i've had that i've read from otomo probably ever to be honest it's not it's not a very big interview but uh it's it's kind of worth worth you know checking out once or twice if you don't want to put that money down go visit a friend and read it Mm -hmm. i'm not familiar with that what is that so so uh they were putting this building up in shibuya in 2018 2019 and you know how like around to, to sort of safeguard the property. There would just be like the big wooden walls. Yeah, 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 so instead yeah. of just doing like a big ugly wall because 2019 Neo Tokyo, that's when the shit goes down. The 2020 Olympics are happening in Akira. Like it was like serendipitous. So yeah. they created um, these giant, three giant murals that, that would just go around the perimeter of, of this building that was being erected in Shibuya to take place of those big construction walls and so this is just like a documentation a a tapestry of uh you know these are long as fuck like i don't think i'll ever have a space (laughs) big enough to open it um but then uh after the the building was built i think there was a gallery space component to it or something or just to sort of ring in the new building on that first floor. And I fucking missed it by a week. I was so pissed off oh,
1: dude, because
0: I come back home after a month of being in Tokyo. And then Jim Mafood is like, dude, I'm about to go out to uh, Tokyo for the Comic-Con. Uh, and I was like, dude, you got to go to Shibuya. You got to see the Art of Wall exhibit because they did the whole exhibit space. And they had the Akira chair with the with the um, red cloak and fucking jim mafud has that picture with the red akira cloak with the with the fluorescent akira light behind him and shit and i'm like <laughs> i missed it by a, by a week um, so ed with that book
1: um are those scans like the uh, Genga or are those just from the comic print
0: yeah think? yeah it's a, it's a collage that was made from the illustrations from the comic so there Nada. are two credits uh, obviously yotomo But then uh, there's an interview with the guy who does the collage piece. Okay, Um, I did not I did not read uh, that yet. But I have I haven't been home for five days.
1: Right,
3: right.
0: Um, The Otomo part was the most important, and and bang for buck. Like I was so happy to get that. I I almost got it just out in Tokyo once again because because that yen is so cheap, you know. Yeah. But then uh, yeah. But then when you you hit me to that that it was like so cheap on Amazon at least for that minute. Like right. fuck it, dude. I, I, I want that interview real bad. Mm-hmm. And I would have paid for that interview at any price, man, for sure. Um I'm trying to think. Because there's some stuff that okay, yeah, we went to uh, so so Jeff, man, we did uh we did Tokyo Comic Con uh when we were out there. And and it was one of those things that happened uh just serendipitously. We booked our trip and we we're gonna be out there while the con was going on, and uh, they offered us tables. You know, uh, Peach and Yo hit me up, we could, we might be able to get you a table. Aki hit me up, hey, we might be able to get you a table. Uh, cool, mm-hmm. you know, I hit you up, because like the thought was, man, it's gonna be two weeks into my trip, uh, I know I'm gonna go hard as fuck, and just be on my feet for those two weeks. Would probably be nice at the middle of the trip to sit my ass down for a couple of days, share a table with Uncle Jeff, fucking pull his coat all day, man. Jeff, how do you draw this? How do you draw that? How do you draw this? Um, We get there and they actually like give us our own spaces. So we were split up a little bit and And it was like COVID restrictions, all that kind of thing. So like the tables weren't anywhere close to one another. Um, (laughs) But uh, what a journey, huh? We put sand into the machine. (laughs) (laughs) It was a journey. So they gave us the table and uh, it was only a day before, two days before when I realized like uh, this venue, it's called Tokyo Comic Con, but it's like the furthest out, outer parts of Tokyo or something that you could get. It takes like more than an hour to get there. Got to take a couple of trains. And then there was like the added pressure of like Japanese rule set, right? If you don't show up by 930, like the doors are closed to you or something. As As an exhibitor... So we're like, you have to get in line with everybody else Oh, and just geez.
2: go through the, the whole thing. To get right. So,
0: so you'd be losing money and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So being punctual cartoonists and we're on vacation, kind of, you know, got to get our asses up at like five, five in the morning to uh to go hit the train at like six to like hopefully, you know, get close to the spot to be there early enough to meet the guy who's going to show us the ropes of like how to get to the COVID part to show off our little badge, all that stuff, man. So it was like not easy, but being up that early and hitting the train, uh, that was the time where I saw the thing that everybody, that you read about in the books, where I saw the salary men with paper manga reading on their way to work, man. And that shit made me feel kind of cool. Like, uh, the younger salary men, the co-highs to the senpais, they were reading that shit digitally on their phone, but it was so much comic reading that it made it all. Okay. To be up that early. It was, it was the first time I felt like a working man, like in, uh, 25 years, I think, man, like getting up and commuting to, to, to the job. And and I will say, if you want to have access
2: and watch A genius at work, Peach Momoko. Go to Comic Con if you just want if you're a huge fan of hers because you would have access because it was amazing how little of a line there was for. She was always busy. Yeah, but there was never you know what from what I understand went on in New York. Right, you could stand there and you could watch her do her watercolors, which which I did from time to time, and you know you could. Get paid and get a beautiful, beautiful drawing in your book. So if you're the really big Peach Momoko fan, do Comic Con. I'm sure she'll do it next year. Next year too.
0: Yeah, it's like the hometown fest for for yeah, her, it man.
2: Was, uh, it was it was great to just have access uh,
0: to her like that. If you're yeah, Any... right. Like oh, uh, so Jeff, Jeff, we should talk about. Um, we took before Comic Con. We took that trip out to go to go visit Peach and Yo. Yeah
2: yeah it's and
0: famous. it's like to go to comic-con was like this way on the train for like an hour yeah. and like we went to go visit peach and yo and it was like an hour that way yeah. on the train out into the, the the cut you know straight up like the burbs
3: yeah
0: uh i think it was outside of tokyo a place yeah. called kumagaya
2: and we get i mean and we get off the the train and and and, and her partner or husband yo took us to this great sporting goods manga cart comic not comic but toy shop it was the craziest
0: you know you had, had the games and the ranks of the games they like trout fishing gear and then they had like dildos and shit. like here's like yeah. the dildo section yeah. and like lingerie but yeah. then you go through that to buy switch games yeah and, and- uh i guess I guess the the wrappers on everything, cause that's the thing, man. When you go into Tokyo and you go into the comic shops, you can't look at shit. It's all wrapped up in plastic. But like those rules don't exist out there in the cut, so you can look through stuff, and uh, the the price is significantly cheaper on things, cause obviously everybody knows not going to Broadway Mall, so they're gonna price accordingly. <laughs> And I, I came out with some cool shit, man. I got some weird baseball mangas while uh, we were at that store. It also had a giant gachapon
2: yeah, uh, section why. on the ground floor. I love those things. I mean, you know, you can get the change. And, you know, they had
0: most of them, most of them, the, the available ones they had there. And, did, uh, did you get any cool uh, gachapons while, while you were out there, Jeff? Yeah, I
2: did. Here's, here's one that I got that I'm going to show. This is a, um, a gachapon of a... Of a turtle which is great for drawing because i think it was made by coyote or bandai but it's it moves and for drawing you can move the legs and it, it goes back inside its shell and that's like about four dollars for this thing you know yeah I
0: mean, it's so beautifully it's beautiful. constructed yeah, good reference piece
2: yeah and I'm you, know, you know they made two things here's another one i got there's just like a, 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 a an eagle or a falcon and you put it together and it's it's all there i mean you can see the structure of the wings and
0: how the legs uh, form to the body and yeah those are all gacha so cool man i i uh don't really fuck with that stuff too much but being a Kanikuman fan there was a
1: nice a set of
0: um like knickerman models so it would be like one of those premium gachapons that costs like 500 yen yeah but yeah. you get the bag and it's like you know yeah. a- over a hundred pieces yeah, to put together like a movable... Wow, that's actually insane. They're not in. always they're <laughs> not really easy to put together because the little
2: joints, you have to use like a dryer sometimes to warm up the plastic so they'll fit in. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, because I, I, I was in... There's a... In Shinjuku... Well, there's a chain in, in, in Tokyo called Big Camera. Yes. And I just happened to go in there and they had a whole Gashaban I mean, capsule... Section. I mean, God, there must have been a hundred of those those vending things, and they had like uh, peanuts. Ooh. And I thought, oh, I go, oh, this, these are neat. They had Linus and Snoopy and Charlie Brown. And I, like put my coin in there and I get a piece out and it's just like this, the head of Charlie Brown. I thought, oh no, so you gotta like put it in there to get the body and the. the but being a genius, I mean, really, as soon as I got it home, because I would have bought a bunch more of them because they were so cool but it's just you open up the head and all the other pieces
0: inside Charlie Brown's head and you he can construct this beautiful figure of Charlie Brown. I thought it was really interesting that they license like the 1950 Charlie Brown out there a yeah. lot. Yeah. Like the yeah. like the proto Snoopy and the proto Charlie yeah, I, Brown like
2: I bought with... one of those, yeah. yeah.
0: Super super fascinating, man. I went to uh, to, to get my Kenickuman guys cuz like every time I would find the machine It would be dry, you know, like, because they would have it in the strategic spots where there would be otaku people around. But there was a a place called Sunshine City Mall in Ikibekaru. And it, on the third floor there, is what they call, like, it's the biggest gashapon store that has over 3,000 of these machines, man. And they had two full man joints. And I was like, I'll pay any price to just, there are four dudes, but there are also two different colors. Like, there's the gray and the pink. And I'm just like, I want the four dudes. Like, I don't care about the colors and all that stuff. And I just, uh, I just had to spend, uh, like, an extra 500 you know? Like, so I got one straggler. So they, they're sprinkled in a nice amount, uh, so that you don't, you know, there's no chase guy. That's like, you know, there's only one Terry man in a in a box or something.
2: They used to have, because if you went into it, because you know, they have the convenience stores everywhere, they would have those, they would have not the, the capsule things, they're like in boxes. It's the same kind of thing. And Kyoto did a lot of those. And they did like a whole series on Kurosawa, on, on the Seven Samurai. And you could get these beautifully sculpted tiny figures of Yojimbo know, and Sanjuro and then all the Seven Samurai. And I've got them all. I got like cases of these things. because friends kept sending me a whole box case. but Used to be able to go into, the, you know, the Lawson's or seven or Seven Eleven, or, and I noticed this time they they don't have hardly any of that stuff anymore. I was wondering if it had to do with COVID or maybe this that whole that whole thing is over with now. They prefer the capsules.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't remember them being in there in, in uh, twenty nineteen, uh, but one of one of the nights we, we were out there, we went to a, a museum, in uh, the town of uh, Ueno, U E N O. However you say that. And uh, it made me understand the pop culture of Japan so much better because you're looking at sculptures and things from, you know, the 11th century. And there's a whole section of sculptures that are this big, you know, Mm. it's, they might as well be gashapons, you know, back starting in like the 1100s. And it'll be a, you know, the people of the town, you know, kicking a ball, playing soccer or (laughs) whatever. But it's, it's, there's that. And uh, you also realize that, you know, drawing, which is frowned upon in like American art schools and, you know, fine art establishments, like the drawing culture in Japan is so deep. It goes back so far. And I'm not talking about painting. You're just like representing stuff with paint. I'm talking about ink on paper, fucking drawing of cool shit like dragons and dudes fighting big monsters and junk like that like they've been making manga since before hokusai called his shit manga man and that and, you know that shit that shit fascinated me so much but jeff we went out to go visit peach and yo get to their studio when we're when he's taking us to those places like i should trying to get a sense of him yo man like you know do you collect stuff like do you read manga whatever and his 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 thing was like ray guns he's like yeah like i like I like ray guns, like Buck Rogers guns and shit. And then when we like get back to their crib, he's like, no, you know what, you know how I said, I like collect uh ray guns and stuff. He's like, I think I collect real estate because I own these four homes right here. And
1: mm-hmm. it was
0: like the cribs were like right next door to, to their house and shit. And he's like, yeah. And this house is going to be the studio and this house. We're going to move her parents. there." like, like this whole thing, man. And I'm like, these are some baller motherfuckers, dude. Yeah. Like, like they're super fly going to their spot beautiful home the uh the studio that you saw in the shoot interview we were there we went up there man and we got to see Peach's space uh on the on the ground sort of laid up on the side was is maybe 30 portfolio books of her original art and they just yanked them all out in a big pile and just like yeah check, check them out man it's overwhelming yeah. Check, check it out. And uh, the way she would set it up was the pencil sketch, the name of uh, Namu of her comic page will be on the left side. And then the finished piece would be on the right. So you could see all the decision making that she's doing all the stuff that the editors uh, wanted to change or that her tastes varied and, and she wanted to change. You get to see how those sketches like translated into the final piece and you have access to the woman so when you have a question you just ask and you get the information uh it was fascinating stuff uh there were the earlier works she's putting a lot of effort into the the name of the sketch part of it and the corresponding artwork looks looks stunning but then she starts getting looser with the sketches like as things progress in her comfort levels start to get there she's chilling with the sketches And doing more work in the paint and we were talking about that stuff and it was that same old story that you always hear that you probably have dealt with yourself man where you try to harness some of that energy from your sketch into the final piece and that was her strategy she was like having so much trouble with that she said you and I would never know the reader would never know but uh, she wanted to try to harness that same energy still look good to me but she found that if she just did like rougher sketches it would save more energy for the final piece. And like that, that's like the strategy now, but we got to see all that stuff, dude, and live in color. Unbelievable. And then they have that little dog yeah, and, Jesus. and we were real nervous. Cause she, like some of the art was not in sleeves oh, Jesus, yeah. and, and uh, Peach and Yo were like, I forget what the dog's name was. Do you remember Jeff? No, it wasn't, it wasn't or Yeah. It like was. mummy or something like that. And, and, and they're like, if, you know, insert dog's name here. If the dog steps in his water dish and steps on the paper, that's now the artwork. Like, like they, they're just totally like the dog can do whatever. This is our baby.
2: He's wearing that little red sweater. Just a really sweet <laughs> Dog. It wasn't an annoying dog. It was, a, you know, it just, it liked attention, but it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, like those like little ladies having just dancing around your feet and being annoying. It was just, it was a funny dog. Yeah. Yeah, but but they but were like, had, it. yeah, at one point I asked her because I was curious, you, know, you guys too, what is what is something you don't like to draw? Right. Like really? And she said, uh, which really surprised me, I thought she was going to say mechanical stuff for cars. Or, and she said it was like the nature backgrounds, trees and stuff. And I was like, Jesus. You know, because I, I said to her, I said, you can't tell because they're so lush. They look really well formed and beautiful. I was like, well, you certainly, hide your.
0: uh <laughs> It's the opposite of like the the Eric Larson thing of like I fucking hate drawing cars, so I'll never put a car in my comics. Like because yeah, she has like... lots of uh, lush nature stuff, so she's drawing yeah. the stuff that she hates. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, and and it it has like as I said to her, her watercolors. I don't know if this is a term I learned. Are juicy, the mm. color is so. It, they mm. kind of look like you could lick them, and you get like 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 a lollipop. You get some kind of a taste off them. It was just so. Uh, you know. And she said they were just so sweet and giving and generous. Uh, no pretension. No, they weren't full of themselves. I mean, she's really at the top of, you know, the ticket in terms of Marvel and in general. And it's yeah. nice to, to someone that has so much talent and, and it, it doesn't have, you know you know so many people with so much less talent with such enormous egos
0: yeah yeah it's it's real she's she's in good hands too with 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 yo because like he has some of that streetwise from the states dude was born in like cincinnati ohio yeah and so he's got like an understanding of of just like the culture in america um so he has a good enough point of view of like kind of the bullshit of their system in a lot of ways man with the senpai kohai shit and how you got to be forced to go to drinking parties and you got to be forced to drink uh if you know your your elder at the office like wants you to and just all that nonsense but and they slough that off you know they have tattoos and shit and they're the fucking punk rock you know um they took us to that joint to eat afterward yeah that was nice. and it was like one of those like korean uh barbecue joints where you just got that little grill at the at the table and you get all kinds of meats and i don't know if you noticed it while we were sitting there jeff but i certainly did we're like a hundred percent of the people working there were just staring at us the whole time I, didn't eyes... that.
2: I, I I noticed that the people that came in to eat there were all workers they're like, like truck drivers or construction workers and i like that That sort of like yeah this isn't uh you know because I, I was taken to a fancy place to eat at the top of the Tokyo Dome Hotel, and it wasn't anywhere near as good as that place. And yeah, you had that feeling of, you know.
0: But then, then we came out. They gave us. They they gave. You tell them. The yeah, the lady was the the proprietor. I guess the owner was a lady, and they were so taken aback. It was the first time that they ever had gaijin in the restaurant that they that they know of you know like maybe there was like korean people or something that aren't aren't as obvious but it was like the first time that they ever had foreigners like in the restaurant ever and she wanted to give us these like totems of goodwill and good luck and uh gave gave one to to each of us man uh which was extra sweet and it actually it broke the ice a little bit because like you know there are those places and that would have been one of those places um even the numbers were in their language you know what I mean like you you couldn't no English menus there Um, and if you accidentally wander into those places in Tokyo proper like they'll let you know they'll go like this say no gaijin Uh, and you can tell that that was probably that kind of joint and it's not it could just be like they don't want the hassle of like trying to communicate with you and like you know the hassle of all that so you could tell that that was probably like one of those spots but they'll take your money it's just like get somebody else to order for you uh so they hooked us up with that did you try the tongue jeff i did i wasn't it was fine i was it wasn't my my favorite <laughs> yeah, it was like a piece of ham um but but that was that was super fresh uh real great kicking it with uh peach and yo but then uh you know like the next couple of days later we're at that comic-con <laughs> and uh separated by our table so we didn't have that chance to like talk that much the first day and what would happen is there's the culture. Uh, nobody wants to be like, like arouse too much attention. So I don't know about you, Jeff, but like I would have, it would be barren for me until the first person had the balls to come up. And, and usually it would be Gaijin. It would be somebody who, who knows our work pretty well, could speak English really well. Or at least likes the work enough to uh to to break the ice in that way and then as soon as the first person would come now the line forms uh like nobody wants to be the first person in the line so i want to give shouts to some of the body audience out there who came rocking their shirts who were the ice breakers because whether they know it or not they helped my bottom line a lot by kind of cracking that ice coming up chatting a little bit and making people feel more comfortable um, getting in line to uh, to grab some stuff man I just brought two prints I was taking it real easy brought two prints and uh, sold plenty of them man I still got lots of lots of yen to, to use uh, when I go over there next time man but that seemed that was that was how it worked for me Jeff.
2: but I found it I found that to be true even in American shows if if I'd have stuff out and almost like chumming in the water like one person could, if, if there's no one wants to be the first one, because they think, well, what if I don't like this stuff? Or maybe they're like, I don't feel some kind of obligation. Or if this has ever happened to you, you, Brian, but they, but you know, one person, they feel like they can come and like look over that person's shoulder and not be committed to actually engaging with the person behind the table, so they can. And then, oh, well, I guess this isn't as crappy as I thought it was going to be. And then they might buy something. And uh, is it, what do you think, Brian? You
1: yeah, it actually happens to me all the time to a point of where I don't sit at my tables. I have my fiance sit at my table for me <laughs> and I just sit somewhere else or walk around because it's just like, they're never going to approach. And the same thing happens all the time. <laughs> it,
0: it very often happens too. Like, like when it's like, you know what, man, I just have to pee now. So you get okay. up and split. And then when you come back, now you got the crowd around the the, the, exactly. the, the table yeah. and stuff. But Brian Japan you... is
2: also one of the places in the world where you can like, i wasn't worried if i left my phone on the table or anything at that table and go to the bathroom because if anybody's gonna steal something over there it's not gonna be somebody who's japanese
0: yeah it's true and and it's funny because like i had the layover in o'hare chicago chicago o'hare and uh, a significant layover you know because you need to build in that time you got to go from terminal five back to gen pop and go through security again and all that shit so you need to build a lot of time in, and then back in Chicago, back in the airport there, I'm like, Oh yeah, now, now, like, I can't start worrying about getting pickpocketed and like, yeah. you know, shit like that. because
2: that right Radar backup. Exactly.
0: Know. Exactly. Start to get a little more, more defensive, a little bit more wary, uh, realize. And, and, you know, like when you land, like people out there were so helpful to me, with everything I needed to get back to the airport, to, to find my bags, um, to check my bags, like all of that stuff. And when we land and we're going through customs in Chicago, there was this Japanese dude who, um, our plane left a little late. So his plane was boarding while we were going through customs and like, they were not helping him out at all. And being dicks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Stay, stay in line. Stay in line. Like giving them no help. And I'm just like, man. Like the grace that I was shown, out there, and the patience that I was given out there. Like, TSA is trash here, man. Like just utter garbage. Like I, I've, it was so disrespectful, to see, and it it just made, it made me feel terrible, for a lot of these people. Because also, it's like it's just that lack of empathy. Because it's a long trip. You know, it's shorter going back home than it is going out there, but you're still, you know, this is maybe 17 hours into our travel and now we got to do a whole new round of stuff. So we're fucked up and out of our minds and to be treated like with disrespect, um, that could that could go sideways, you know? Like if you got two cranky people, now, now you got problems. And obviously this Japanese dude wasn't going to start... Being a scoundrel, but I, I I just I knew I was back in America, pretty pretty uh, instantly from that trip, man. But on the second day of the Tokyo Comic Con, uh, because we were split up a lot for for most of the day, me and Jeff were just like, you know what, fuck it, dude. Let's 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 share this table and kick it. And that's when uh, Adi Granoff showed up on on Saturday. Um, so like I just took my little name plaque off of my thing, went over to the Jeff's. Split the table, and then it, it created a a lot of conversation. Like the the workers at the at the Comic Con were they were on their phones, walkie talkies. Like four or five t- Comic Con workers were there, like looking at us, looking at the bear table over yonder and stuff, and just like totally beside themselves. But it worked out, man, because Adi came just that one day. It's very popular out there. So he, they were able to use that space to just kind of corral his line. And speaking with him, he said that, like, that's that's the move out there, man. Like, that, he said that same amount of people would have still, if I would have been here all three days, that exact same amount of people would have um, been here to see me. So it would have been just been sprinkled throughout three whole days. And I think I think that'll be the move, like, next year uh, to do the Adi move. Get one table, get a table for one day, and then just meet all your people at once, because like you know, it left a lot of lot of time for homeboy to uh, see the sights and go go do his thing. Um, but Not but that, that all worked you know, out.
2: That long trip out there, and then you know, and then it's the long trip back, and it's six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And, uh...
0: Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 only like so we get up at like five start heading out at six, get there early enough to not fucking get the door closing in our faces. Uh, no breakfast or anything. So it's, so it's like you got to go out and eat the truck food or whatever. Um, I don't know how long the convention would go on, but we made the decision like, you know what? Like if we leave now, we'll get home by eight, be able to get something to eat and go right to sleep because we've been up for, for for so long. So that first day was that. It was just like, let's... Take that hour-long train back. Hour and a half long train, I feel like, because it's like a couple trains. Yeah, it was. And then uh, just have time to eat, take a shower, get right into bed to get up at like 5 the next day. Um, Super crazy that through all of that, uh, I stayed in Shibuya. Jeff Darrow, you stayed in Shinjuku. And we were still in touch that morning while we were heading out on Saturday. That second day? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just kind of keeping in touch. Okay, I'm on my second train. I'm about... And then, you know, you're on your the second train. I'm about to get on my second train. Uh, we had... Where the convention was, it was out past Disneyland. Yeah. And you, and you have to catch some tricky trains to, to get there because the train that you pop on turns into something else after a couple of stops. So you have to, like, catch the exact right timed one. You have to pay attention to the signs because... Every other one will be that train that turns into the R-line or whatever. It's a bitch. Um, so, like, after all of that, I, I guess the train, like, hits hits your your area in Shijuku first and then comes through Shibuya, all that. Um, so, I take my first train out to the middle of fucking nowhere. And then I got to catch that train that is going pa- out to and past Disneyland. And everything up until Disneyland is just fucking it's it, it's the only time you see japanese people get mean or yeah. aggressive because they will push onto that that train that yeah. that 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 yeah. like maternal beautiful little old grandma she's getting on that train heller high water and she's going to make sure her ass cheeks don't get clapped by that door so mm-hmm. she's pushing in and somehow you're all finding that <clears throat> there really is more and more space on this train because every stop there's just more bodies pushing in and you're just squeezing up against a ton of people but then it gets to uh disneyland and all these people with their like mickey mouse ears and their little white gloves and shit are all in donald duck umbrellas are all spilling off and then I see uncle jeff sitting on the on the bench man like in in this in the same you know, exact train I was, car
2: i was tech i was texting you saying oh, what stuff are you at and now oh so am I. I look up and there you are <laughs> well, that was that was very odd yeah yeah because yeah, it, we were... it probably seems goofy to everybody to listen to this but if you're in tokyo and brian i'm sure you're gonna agree there's so many people the chances of you being on the same tram I mean it's of course they're lower because there's a number of cars but at that time, because there's so many trains, they leave like, you know, the trains there, it's like they leave at 6.17 or 6.13. Yeah, it's very precise. And it's, and it's exact. Yeah. And it's always like, well, it's the express, which means, what does that mean? And it means, oh, it, it, it skips so many stops. And then you're worried, well, maybe it skips my
0: stop. Right. But, uh, yeah, but that was fun. Like, to, to kind of connect with you at that level, sure. because then we could just head over to... uh the deli to get all our breads and stuff to to eat throughout the day as we uh do our comic-con stuff but we agreed like you know what man it's saturday because it was a three-day show like uh ain't coming back sunday like uh got 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 plenty in it was fun shouts to Seiya. shouts to aki for for being a go-between to uh talk with the customers talk with the people to uh, help us hustle our wares and stuff the huge the level
2: of cosplay at that show is quite astonishing, and I'm yeah. not a cosplay guy, but yeah, these guys don't mess around,
0: man. No, no, that's for these sure, are, man. Those are movie, uh, movie quality costumes. All those people made. Yeah, yeah, they they did the thing too. where like, when they open it up for the day to the cus- to the public, there are like two rows of cosplayers greeting the customers that come in. So they like allow a bunch of cosplayers in. And they had whole wings behind the scenes where you could like change your clothes and shit. Yeah. Cause like, that's what I was hoping like, that we would see like some Dr. Stranges on a train and shit, but, but they're not, they're not going to arouse attention like that.
2: They used to do that at Harajuku when, when, when I yeah. went there in the '80s cause they would, at Harajuku, they'd have bands they would mm-hmm. come and they'd play. And it was really crazy cause you'd have like a rockabilly band next to a folk band next, and they're all playing at once. It was kind of cacophony but so the kids that would come in their they're the or they're their punk they come like in their you know their school uniform and then they, they they'd come in groups and they would take blankets and they would make like in the middle like a changing room and what they, they'd take their turns being in the middle and they'd take their clothes off and they'd come out looking like you know a punk girl or a you know, elvis presley kind of guy
0: yeah yeah i remember seeing those dudes with the with the uh they would have like the leather jackets the big pompadour and those like super pointy like boots and do that weird like dance thing with the with the legs like weird shimmy shimmy thing but uh on sunday we were like you know what let's go do our own thing man this is a vacation so i i went to uh like i i didn't go to tokyo comic-con but i went to this joint called komitia and it was a convention of original dojinchis and this is the transformative experience out there, guys, because first off, I had to catch the same train that went out to the far depths for our Tokyo Comic Con, because this was at the Tokyo Big Site. And to to explain what this Dojinshi Festival, which there's not any real pros there, it's just regular people who make comics, it's an independent comic show, basically, for right regular folk. Um, who who might not even have aspirations to be professional mangaka's ever, um, it is the size of say two Wondercons on top of each other. It's an entire bottom floor of an extremely huge convention center, and then there's a second floor of that. And it was such a process to figure that part out. Like it's it's free, but you have to buy the fifteen dollar book to uh to get through you know there's all these weird rules because uh there's even more rules with comic cat which is the one that has like the dragon ball porno comics and shit because you know it's copyrighted material so they can't sell it to you but you give them you donate 300 yen to them for to to cover the print there's like all these like gray zone fucking rules um so you got to buy the book and then in the back of the book you put your name and your um, phone number and, and like email address, so it's like you're giving them that, and they're just adding that to a mailing list, which is like indispensable and priceless. So that's just genius, you know, something that comic cons don't do. Um, you go through the COVID checks, all of that, then you get your badge. N- now you're in the joint. No pictures. You can't you can't take any photos of stuff because of their copyright laws are like so kind of strict. But uh, this convention let me know sort of it just showed me all the deficiencies of what we have in our shows and stuff here out in the main concourse of this convention was every um important so like the leader had a big booth out in the main concourse copic had a big um section where they were hustling stuff um there are original like there are printing plants that only do doujinshi and there are like four or five of those companies set up with tons of samples of all the kind of paper stocks and all the kinds of book sizes and shit that they can make and the prices so that all the mangaka who have their books like they can choose their printer or, or just think in terms of format and stuff that was all set up you go through to the main part and uh every major publisher from kodansha to shueisha to shugakin and beyond have entire rows for uh each one of their magazines is a is a booth and there are two editors from each of the magazines under that publisher's umbrella there to just interact with future mangaka people who want to show samples the whole time so, like, there's a Shonen Jump editor. There's, like, a Shoujo Beat editor. There's, you know, Young Magazine. Like, the editor of all your favorite magazines are taking the day to be there to look for new enterprising, new talents. Hmm. Um, I would say that, like, each floor would be in, like, Sixth chunks. So, like, there would be, like, six sections to make up a quadrant. And there were, like, say, f- you know, four big sections of this festival. So like one quadrant would be, you know how they're so reference heavy in terms of backgrounds and stuff. There would be like a quadrant that would be um, royalty free reference materials. Oh wow. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, this booth you could buy building interiors like offices, schools, f- factories, like just wh- what do you, whatever you want. This one is weapons. This one is uh, nature. You know, this is Edo Tokyo booth where you could buy, you know, a bunch of screenshots of, you know, Edo Tokyo era structures. Just all this, like, super fucking crazy helpful shit to just create. Like, that's how you have these manga assassins, you know? Because it's, like, all there and it's all easy to get. It's all represented under this one roof. And then when you get to the actual comic people no exaggeration 85% of the creators were females, maybe oh. 90, maybe 90. Um, what was all, your
1: reaction to that, Ed, just in general? What's that? Was, I said, what was your reaction to that in general? Like learning that I noticed just, it, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. like I, I noticed it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was cool, you know, like, but, but so much of it, was it i think it was all professional looking i looked at everything um i think it was all professional looking but there was a generic blandness to so much of it it would be professional looking in the same way that there's like there are these like um kind of off-brand american publishers that might have like a line of books you know what i mean like i don't even know the name of these things but like it would be professional at that level where it's like it's out there but like maybe not so interesting or whatever yeah. Um I bought every wild-looking thing that I felt comfortable bringing back to the country because the culture's <laughs> fucked up out there when it comes to that, some of the shit. That,
2: that girl one you showed me. That girl manga. the uh, <laughs> you know what, you know which one I mean.
0: The, the one with the panties? The panties one. It's just Oh my god. We'll do a bigger video of of uh, my my um my spoils from that show that's the this is the one that that's jeff that is talking one. about
3: oh my god
0: yeah that's this is it
2: how many how many copies would they have to sell I, think, I thought it was like, i thought it was gonna be like a pamphlet because you just showed me a couple images That was like a xerox kind of a thing
0: <laughs> yeah no no nah, nah, this wow. is you know 1600 yen for a perfect bound you wow. know you know big book um, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at all this stuff better.
2: I wonder if the title of that is embarrassed, uh, embarrassing things for girls.
0: <laughs> it's called class <laughs> X. And this is the piece that Jeff is talking about with the student body, taking a look at when, a girl's panties.
2: When blows up her, her skirt up, it's just, <laughs> and the drawings are so
0: beautifully naive. It's just. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I'll do a bigger, ep- me and Jimmy will do a bigger episode showing off the comitio halls um there's one regret that i did that i didn't grab and it's a regret because i keep thinking about it it was a lady created this bestiary of of like kaiju but they're based on sushi in a way so like imagine like the profile of like a sushi uh, like of like a salmon Sushi, like sitting on top of a bed of rice. So, like, the white part, like, the color schemes would be sushi like. So, like, it would be this orange monster that had, like, this white undercarriage, and the rice would be kind of like this chunky fur. So hard to explain, but, like, it would just be these sushi, you know, the, the sushi yeah. with the salmon row. Like, it would have, like, this, like, shield on its back, and it would have the red ball orbs of, and you, yeah. it would be yeah. salmon row. So, like, I, I regret have. that one. That and then I. Why, that didn't
2: I you, why, and why didn't you take that one? Just because I, my bad. bag was
0: just getting heavy. My bag was just getting heavy, man, because I was just buying all the the wild stuff, and I just couldn't couldn't carry anymore. At a certain point, Um, there were (laughs) the uh, one of them that that like was exceptionally drawn, but I just couldn't buy it to like for fear of getting arrested or something on the way back home was. This one lady, and, and, you know, everybody's representing their own comic. They have their little table space, and they have their, you know, one or two comics at their table. So you're seeing the person who made the comic. And uh, in Tokyo proper, I think you guys could agree, everybody's fly. You know, everybody's so well-dressed. Their hair is all fresh. Um, Everybody smells real good. Um, It was this lady. She was kind of unkempt and shit, you know, kind of ratty hair and stuff. Uh, can't look up like it's just like looking straight down like an oversized sweater um, and she made this fucking amazing looking comic but it was like it was like it was amputee porn uh, so there's like legless armless people like sucking dicks and stuff and just like one of the female characters like she just doesn't have enough of a bump of titty for me to feel comfortable so like I because like I can't read it so I don't know if she's like 10 or 30 you know i have no idea so that was like a dicey one man but it was like so beautifully drawn there was no less than three uh manga manga out there females who um made like cannibalism manga where the main protagonist is like eating their lover i think that was like the name of one of the things is like uh i ate my lover or so i ate my lover um didn't grab any of those well, show wait,
2: off. we've asked this but how many copies would they
0: have to sell like i think their, did I th- noticed I think that um at max like like you would get like a thousand um and I'm not saying that they would sell a thousand there that day but most those printers I think do about a thousand copies
2: They're just I'm just thinking in terms of transporting that stuff because going to conventions you always think of We're gonna take books because gosh they're so they're so heavy and yeah Yeah. know the the, the regular american comics not so bad but those things would be man you get 50 of those and you've got a load
0: yeah totally like all the mangaka they they had those like pullable luggages behind them so they probably just you know grab enough to fit into there and uh when they would sell out what they would do is collapse their folding chair and just like lay it on top of the table Because beyond just the manga, like they all had their own tablecloth and they all had their own like presentation materials too. So like, and it's all prim and proper. There are still rules to that shit. Like there's the one copy that's the sample copy that you're allowed to look at. Don't touch the other ones, you know, like just that anal retention, hardcore. Um, Do you want to talk
1: about, um, about the what was it about how well those sold though? Cause you were, you would come up there to the spaces and they were sold out. Right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like they would try to sequester, I, I guess whenever you're putting in for the table, for a table, there's a bunch of check marks of like, they, they narrow you down to genre or style or something. So they would have those like sections, like aisles that would all be maybe travel logs, horror, Gekiga, whatever and uh throughout that there would be people who sold out put their tables up you know their chairs up whatever and in the back you it takes the the longest route like you know you go in and it's it, it has such a natural flow to it and then uh you get to the second floor and basically if you check out everything and you follow the natural order the very last section you get to is hentai and when you get to that section... Like, I went an hour after the show began. And we got to the hentai... I guess maybe two hours after the show opened. You know, I spent an hour... Probably longer. Maybe three hours I spent going through everything. When you get to the hentai section... It is a fucking wasteland. Because that is the shit that sells first. Like, that's... The, like, like There are fans of specific artists out there that people connect with online whatever but those guys all sold out for anybody so like that whole section is just a wasteland except for a sporadic cartoonist just sitting there you know and who knows what the fuck they're (laughs) hustling because that's the other thing i saw some shit out there you guys i I, like i and and and, you know it's the cartoonist who's hustling their works so there was this like little old man that had a comic That was like a porn with babies with like that were oh. diapers. And it wasn't even in hentai shit. It was in like gen pop with like, just like uh, other people making cute things. And I'm like, right. I'm looking at a pedophile, like, like this dude's a fucking pedophile. And he's amongst all these people with this like little, little, diaper porn. And I was telling my dudes like, like, man, it would be cool to us uh, to, to set up at the show sometime or whatever. And they were like, yeah, red room, man. Like, you know, we have a lot of rules. At our show. And I'm like, what? Red Room can't be here? But that fucking guy, I want to kick you know, that guy's right. teeth in. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I want
0: to kick that dude in his mouth. He's, he's cool, but like Red Room can't be here? Like that that would—that was just like another would, one of those weird Japanese rules, you know? I would hear,
2: because i would say, saying well, when I was working over there, and I'd say, gosh, you know, in the store, and right, right next to the Dragon Ball things, they'd have these mangas that were, you know, you know, question rape stuff and 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 they would say how can they get wrinkles well because it's 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 cute <laughs> i don't think it's cute but yeah. yeah but the drawings are cute and maybe that's part of it too it's like well they're, they're whereas you're drawing this horrible you know imagery to them that's not horrible because it's drawn in a cute way i guess they, they figure that they that's
0: okay which is just fucked up beyond belief yeah and, and the dude wasn't even put with the porno people you know, the dude was just like with regular, like it would, might've been a schoolgirl manga, like right next to him. That was just legit shojo comic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, but like to see that dude, I'm just like, like, I'll never get his image out of my face because it's like, when have you ever been to a place and it's like, yeah, this person's a pedophile for sure. Like, there's like, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. that this guy, you know, you know how long it takes to make a comic. Right. And that, and that dude chose to make a comic of this shit, you know, anyhow, uh, but the, but that the convention was amazing and and like i could i can i can conceptualize something like that working in the states man and i just so blown away by that system and the fact that 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 system, that comitia is the smaller convention cuz like wow. there's only 25,000 people that came to there when it's uh, 700,000 wow. that go to comiket and those numbers just blow my mind but uh aki aki had like the most sage-like thing to say about that because it's 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 not special to them like it's just it's how it is and he's like yeah but don't you understand like it's the health of of the the culture of this like like back in the states right you have you have t-ball and little league and pony league and college baseball and triple a and double a bush leagues and then you got the pros like with the same with basketball same with everything like we that's what we have here with comics like you got to have your your t-ball you got to have your your pony league and i thought that that was just such a smart way to look at it he's like the the health of a medium the health of a culture is based on the participation of the amateurs and they use those terms you know amateurs rookies like they don't shy away from like labels like that and he's like if you don't have a giant amateur participation like how can you have big hits and stuff you know it's a smaller pool trying to trying to like you know capture gold uh and i just thought i thought that was such a smart way to way to put it because i I mean that is what it is like the reason why the top 10 you know celebrity wealth generating humans in japan or cartoonists is because like there's a lot of them making it and there's a lot of competition for that top spot
2: yeah in america they do have like that i've never been to it we, we know what the the small press fandom where they
0: but i've i've never seen anything like what you just showed no it's a, it's nothing like like the, yeah. the, the the comics the comics can be like this like i could see this at small press expo something like this no right. doubt there's 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 but
2: a, but just the, the the book itself
1: the, the the printing and things is just yeah what i noticed about the Dojinshis is that actually the printing and the creativity in the printing is actually better than a lot of American printed uh, floppies. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Rachel bought one that was looked like a coffin, and this thing had die cuts and balsing oh everything, and it was like a dollar twenty five American. Oh wow. and it's just like that's nothing, you know?
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 incredible. You know, they have their two kind of basic formats, but then you could get other stuff just just like just like anything but like in america our small press shows are so bifurcated the culture of america comics is, is so fractionalized in, in and in a lot of ways where like you know you got your manga people like the small press expo type people it's only now that people are admitting that they fucked with mainstream comics also but like that Klaus and chris ware generation like yeah. they really created a situation where it's like you're with us or or you're against us kind of thing and and we're we're still dealing with the ramifications of that uh to to a small extent um you know the hope is with stuff like like kayfabe where me and jimmy are just going through a bunch of stuff that we like and it could be stephen platt but it can be you know love and rockets number five uh to try to kind of you know bridge bridge those gaps and shit. but um just so inspiring being out there man super inspiring jeff you took us out to dinner like that one one of those uh last nights that you guys were in town and you introduced us to a new character uh, hero. hero the dude that did the um star wars manga that um that dark horse put out some time ago yeah
2: yeah and, and then well it was well originally printed in japan
0: sure sure but those those uh those were a big deal because before that in the states all we had was like um we had like the Howard Chaikin joint that he admitted, you know, he was never allowed to see much of, uh, you know, he had low res photos and kind of just like hacked out the artwork for that. Um, you know, we had the Al Williamson joint for Empire, which is fucking sick. But like, yeah, so speak, speak on that, Brian.
1: Yeah, so I actually. Um, show, show that shit
0: off, dude. It didn't show up on the cam. <laughs> okay.
1: So it's funny because I actually was familiar with Hero's work because. Um, of being a fan of these in the early 2000s, I was like 18, 19 years old. And so it was kind of funny that when we were looking at his work online, and I was like, yo, Ed, he draws the best Darth Vader (laughs) out of anyone. And it was funny, we're eating dinner. And he had a Darth Vader drawing on his wallet. I was like, yo, there it is. I told you guys. Yeah. So it was a really cool experience. And then to come back home and look at the stuff again, you know, is really cool. I also was able to find his um, Neo Devil Man work also. Yeah. So that was kind of cool also. I found these like literally the next day, Jeff. So wow. that was kind of awesome. It's so
0: funny. Mm-hmm. Explain hero to the people, Jeff. Man, like, does, I, don't know, does, I can't explain hero to anybody. Does he? Does he? Because, like, we look at that Devil Man thing. That's that's obviously that's a Nagai property. We see yeah. the Star Wars joint. He doesn't own that. Uh, yeah. Does does he ha- do some original stuff? Is he more see, an I illustrator?
2: Mean, he's done, uh, I, I don't. I can't tell you the name of him because he sends it because they're in Japanese. But yeah, he has his own, his own, his own uh, series. at what was it? Something like. Devil Angels, and they actually made a, a, a an animated film of it. And he, yeah, he's he his own stuff, and he'll do that stuff, you know, the Star Wars stuff, because he's a super, he's an otaku. He's a big fan. Of all that stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I tried to hook him up with Dark Horse because he wanted to do Aliens versus Predator, which would and, be amazing. And they he wanted it, and then they said they would do it. And then, you know, uh, the, I think Fox was coming out with a new Aliens, and then they got kind of, Fox got kind of, Fancy about well, what is this guy gonna do? And will he mess? Because they, they're trying to get the franchise going again. The Predator and the Aliens, and so it kind of fell apart. And and, and and he was just so obsessed with it. And I go, had to wind up this is kind of a bit of an argument. I go, draw your own stuff, man. Come on, here, That's the stuff. Draw stuff that you can own. And he was just so, you know, um, obsessed with. I mean, the stuff that he liked. When he was a kid, like he did. You heard it, I kept joking with him about it. He did a, a, a Fist of the North Star comic that was about Jaggy, the guy that has that kind of an eye, his head is held together by that mask that he wears. And uh, God, he was always just going, Jaggy is misunderstood. <laughs> go, what do you mean he's misunderstood? I goes he rapes you know ken's girlfriend what's to be what's to be misunderstood about that he goes he's like not that bad a guy
1: well he's a pretty bad guy you we know, don't argue about it because but you know, I actually mean, jeff could you uh, tell us a story about how you guys met because i'm curious myself like you you know, guys have different personalities
2: the funny thing is i i met him without i met him once and i didn't remember him and i met him again later It was, but the first time I met him was I was, I did all the press junkets for the Matrix movies, Mm
3: -hmm. and they had
2: a big party when Matrix came out, the first one. And they had this huge party in this uh, hotel, and uh, And they they had like, you know, like Euro hookers that came in at one point that would go into the back room with people, and it was just crazy. And he was one of the guys that came. That um, it, it came to that that party somehow. We got into it. And he remembers talking to me and this and that. I, I don't remember it at all. But then when I was working in uh, at Madhouse Animation, they were trying to do shell and Cowboys as an animated film. He was one of the guys that they hired to do uh, uh, character design, and we're just our styles were just so different.
1: Yeah. Do you and have the, any of Do you have any of that artwork from that time? I topic?
2: do have I do have like the books and such and some yeah. of my drawings, and uh, but he was doing character some character design on it, and he would draw he was drawing at one point the girls, and then I did my version of the girls and the girls because there's a there's a section of the movie with uh, prostitutes, or, or it's or it's set in a strip joint, and I was drawing them like. You know, I remember the first time I went to a strip joint when I was younger, um, they were pretty kind of down on their out. Yeah. And I drew them. They look like, they look like this, it's not a happy life. Oh, right. The way I drew them, they were, they, they, they were, yeah, they didn't look too, they weren't ugly, but they looked like they'd had a hard life. And that was too rough for them. You know they just like they'd always say to me is that your fantasy jeff <laughs> it's, it's, that's the way they would look i mean it's it's not you know and and he they brought him in and he drew they all look like Las vegas show girls the way he drew and so the 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 compromises that they used his girls but i got to do everything else i think one of my girls got into it got got, got into the film it was actually kind of animated so we got to be friends there and we just have stayed every time i go to japan i'd see him and he would um he was he had a bicycle accident while we we're working on the film and he like fractured both his legs So i went to see him in the hospital and he was while he's working on the film he's also working on this manga about i don't know which one it was but so he's in this thing and his legs are in you know traction they're like up in the air and full cast with wires coming down to hold him so he can't move and right. he's in there drawing his manga while he's, you know, he's just like two days before he's been had the, this multiple surgeries on his legs, but he's got to get these his manga done for, and so that's how we got to know each other. And I, you know, he speaks a little English enough that, you know, we can communicate. And yeah. He just he always whenever I go there I see him and he's he knows Bob Afro Samurai, mm-hmm. Bob and, you know, he always wears he was wearing the same clothes from when I met him in 2008. It's like an orange jumpsuit with a, a scarf Starf. and stocking Ooh. cap. And that's his look. That's what he's chosen. But he does, he would do, uh, there was like a whole different um, revenue source for mangaka and that is to draw comics that they put on those pachinko games. And he would do that. They would like, you know, if you get so many levels, you get another page of the manga. And he would he would do stuff he was doing one for another one for fist of the north Star.
0: yeah that was real popular like on uh pajiko machines uh well, yeah when i was there i took a picture of one uh, in shinjuku
2: that's still and it was the same parlor it's like right across i used to stay in this place there called the shinjuku prince hotel yeah It's right in kabuki cho run right, too far from that toho um cinema that has the big godzilla head
0: on it yeah it's exactly uh where we had to catch the second train to go get our Jiro sushi. Uh, yes. It was the Tokyo oh. Prince. The, I, I forget what station that that is out there, but it's not part of the JR line. No, oh, and you no. just stare at the uh, Fist of the North Star Pachinko Parlor. That is like so ridiculously loud. I don't know, Brian. Like, if if you ever like walked your ass through one of those joints, but it's so ridiculously loud. It like it shakes your insides. Like it makes you want to vomit the the sound and all the guys who are sitting there they have earplugs in but like mm-hmm. there, there must be some psychological like well, you, you...
2: It, it, you know how it works right
0: don't i don't know? i just see a bunch of balls coming right. down a little spinny thing it's like it's
2: gambling they're in there they're gambling
0: yeah what
2: you do is when you win if you win you get the, the all these balls you can buy like um a, a bottle of, of detergent or a box of detergent or i don't know a can of something mm-hmm. and uh you can take that can down the block to specific places and they buy it from you Yeah, for like $50. So it's like, you're not gambling because you're just, you're winning, you're winning this box, but it's each item is worth more and more money and they would take it and they cash it in for, for actual yen. And whenever there's like a new machine, you'd see a huge line waiting outside. Cause they think that one, for some reason, that one will pay off first before any of the older ones, <laughs> and you will there just be like a line around because i ask guys like you know like hero and everything. what is it with because I'd stay there and go what is it with all these people like oh there's a new it's a new fist of the North Star uh, game so they think it'll be good luck if they they want to be the first ones to
0: play it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's nuts, man. And once again, that speaks more to that gray area stuff. Yeah, where you can't gamble, so we're just going to yeah. give you some balls. Yeah, and then create you a system. can
2: buy this and then you go over there and buy it redeem it for this. I, I was there when they had a gigantic, uh, one of the worst typhoons ever. They had trucks out, send everybody to stay inside, stay inside, stay inside. And that pachinko parlor shut down. But I remember watching for the window, uh, the eye of the thing hit. And then when it passed, that pachinko parlor was up and running like 15, That's 20, the first 20. Thing open. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's just it's such an addiction and it's just jam, full of people in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. And and, and uh, the stuff that they choose for licensing uh, on those, it, it is always so curious because, yes, the Fist of the North Star, like you see that Haratetsuo artwork everywhere, but there's also like the monkey punch loop in the third ones.
2: Yeah, and there's animation. They do these animated things too that the more you, and some people are going to play just to see it. it's like a story, and the more, you know, you get to a certain level, you get another piece of the story. It's like a little 20-minute film that you can only see if you play that machine.
0: <laughs> cost you 200 bucks to watch or something
2: yeah yeah oh it was really great ken used his akuten level 78 that we've never seen before yeah but you gotta pay you
0: gotta put in some more yens man to see how the dude's head explodes or whatever yeah and you get an extra <laughs> <laughs> so that dinner we had man that was um it was uh all three of us it was a uh, hero it was takashi okazaki bob creator of afro samurai and, and uh, his wife and his wife realized real quick that she was amongst a bunch of fucking nerds when we start talking about otomo shit and how like the interviews in the states that are translated where otomo says that he he's the only dude that made akira he didn't have assistance but we know that he had assistance and satoshi khan was one of the assistants and that's when hero starts to go wild like yeah. when you talk about his fanboyishness, like we saw on a proper display there, because he was talking about um, some page
1: about volume five and six, the
0: backgrounds,
1: how <laughs> Satoshi Kong did those. Right. And he could prove light. it. The building. Yeah, he could prove it. Exactly. Yeah. You can
2: go to the corner and you can see the the cornice on the building. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Do you remember what you said, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember because he was going on about it for so long. It was really in depth, and he speaks like this. If you look at the cornice, and it's like I'm like and you're pulling the words. I don't know. Right? It's not his language. It was like it was going on for so long, and at one point, I said, "I said, yeah." Because what was I talking about? Yeah. Well, if you look at uh, peanuts, when Mobius was assisting Charles Schultz on peanuts, you can tell the line work is different. And they
0: were like, "Hero was like, mm-hmm. really?" Mm-hmm. And they go, "No, I'm <laughs> like, like you I were you it. were saying that bit, and you were kind of like being slow and deliberate because you know it's not not these dude's second not these dude's first language, so you got to kind of slow the roll, use use simple adjectives that type of shit, so you know you're, you're saying your piece, but what's happening is." he's becoming more engrossed because he just learned a new piece of information that he never knew and he's buying every word but then so is takashi like yes. i'm seeing takashi leaning over the table with his eyes fucking giant and me and brian are like oh man uncle jeff's being mean man because these dudes are buying this shit and uh, and then you're like nah fuck with you i've known him for so long and i mean yeah. Yeah, it's like brotherly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I mentioned it that evening. I was told by
2: uh, Mike Arias, who's the director of Tech on Concrete, when I was that if you tell them, they will, what do we call it? Is that irony or is it,
3: what would you call
2: it? Sarcasm. Yeah, sarcasm. Uh, They will just buy it. And I I would do that often, just say something and think, this is so ridiculous that no one would ever believe this. But they do. I mean, I, I did that with Frank Miller once. A while. It was like afterwards, the and he said, because he said, "Well, Jeff, how come hard-boiled uh, Number Three was so late?" And I said, because I just figured everybody knew I was just really slow. And I said, "Well, it's because I it was waiting for the script."
3: <laughs> and
2: frankly, somebody goes, "Jeff, you can't say that because they're gonna believe you." Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figured everybody
2: knew it was my fault. <laughs> the japanese i was fed run into that every once in a while yeah I'd just tell something oh, this is so stupid no one's gonna believe it but then, oh
0: really no 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 oh oh, oh, oh yeah oh. jeff did you come out with any cool toys or anything not you like know I could said i didn't buy too much i bought a lot of stuff for my daughter and sent it off but i got
2: so much stuff that i don't know except for those few books of some of the same ones we bought i didn't uh no, I mean you guys. You guys really. I got. Well, I did the one I've showed you these. I got a couple. I'll buy stuff that I because it's wrapped up in plastic. And every once in a while, I go. Wow, well, I'm just gonna roll the dice on this. And I bought, this was a. Um, you know, this was really great. This is. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. I mean, it just. You know, it was in a hardcover, and I just I like the co- drawing of the cover. Mm-hmm. And just the insides are just fantastic. Uh, yeah that's really lush so like full page illustrations it's by uh i think his name is imamura the guy that did cyborg 009 <laughs> and uh and common rider and i think wasn't he like didn't he come up with power power yeah. rangers like, yeah the power rangers. it's just this beautiful like storybook. i don't know what it says number two which makes me wonder i wonder what number one is and then i picked up like another an illustrated book of an animated film that this is a style of drawing that um toei did that was just i think miyazaki would work on these they're just these beautiful watercolor you know excerpts from the film but it's just a style of it it's about the most exotic and probably the best things they're about but they're wrapped up in plastic and I just i got them at my I said, yeah i'll buy them because they said they would open them and let me look at them but i always feel Guilty. It's like I don't go into a shoe store and try on shoes I mean, unless I'm going to buy one. Right. So the same with books. Like, no, nah, that's fine. Know.
0: That's fine. Just, you know, yeah, a lot of plastic consumption out there, man. Yeah. If not much. for just the gashapons, man, just all the plastic, everything's wrapped up in, and they want mm-hmm. to make sure that we don't steal shit, so they got to tape our bags closed. And
2: yeah, that little piece of tape they put in the center.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so, like, you know, they'll use plastic at that level, man, but good luck trying to find like a paper towel to dry your hands after you leave a bathroom well, that's or
2: something. The thing I, I had when you i learned that first time i went there you have to come come with like a little like a
0: do-rag or something a little babushka uh,
2: yeah a little uh what, what were they used to call them a wallet uh, think, right, french and english stuff but you know, you serviette but it's not that it's just a you know hand a little you have you carry your own hand towel yeah which isn't, which isn't, you know, especially in these days. But it's been like that forever. So, and I actually had one.
0: Yeah, it's the part that I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about that, man. So I was just running around. Had to, had to go pick one up. You should do
2: like this. You come out of the back. <laughs> Yeah. Because they don't have those. I don't. I don't. They didn't have. They do have those like uh, air dryer
0: things. Yeah, they had a lot of them blocked off with with. You know, said due due to COVID and whatever. They they still take that social distancing stuff real real seriously. Like when we were waiting for you guys for lunch uh, for that dinner, like they there was those seats outside the restaurant. They had like a little stop sign on every other chair to -hmm. tell everybody like you know space space it out. Yeah. Take that shit super seriously, man. And B, what, what what were some of the last thing you scooped up, man?
1: Yeah, I'd say probably my... I'll show a couple of my favorite things. Is this... Um, and Ed, you were there for this one. Yeah. So I, with uh, Sean. I forget where we were at exactly. Um, What area. But it was still Tokyo in general. But uh, this is Kuwaita. And he did the Batmanga, if anyone's familiar. And so it was really cool to actually... Um, I had no clue. I just bought it because of the cover, you know, but then when you actually get on the inside, you can see a lot of that. I mean, it's, this is from 65, so it's kind of cool to see the quality still retaining in those colors from a book. Then this was like four or five bucks. Yeah. It's like falling apart, but still, you can still find this stuff everywhere. And um, so I, I didn't recognize the name at all because I don't read Japanese. But then when I opened it, I was like, oh, this is the same guy who did the Bat manga, you know? And, and did Ape Man. Yeah. yeah. exactly. I
2: think he may have done uh, Speed Racer too, maybe.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. That'd be awesome if he did. Um, and then I got these. Um, these were the other ones that I got of his work, which um, Elite Robot, I think it is, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, he did Ape Man, Jeff
0: sun wide is an interesting publisher man because like that's the uh the spider-man manga that i have that Ryoichi ichi ikigami did came out Mm -hmm. under that label so it's like they did superhero-ish stuff like the most superhero-ish stuff that uh that That you can find in japan
1: Mm -hmm. and then um obviously we already um ed and jeff you guys already had these in your collection but now i have these which is the storyboards for akira so um that's a highlight obviously And then I would say this little guy right here was pretty fun to find. So this is uh, Tainami. He uh, comes from uh, that super flat movement. Let me get the reflection off of there. So this is a collaboration he actually did with Adidas. Let me find an example. So it's really cool because all this stuff, you have to import it because of the, um, they don't publish it in America in this size. So, it's really cool to actually find his workout in the wild again. So, yeah, that was probably, I would say, besides my video game haul, which we'll save that for like Game Fame or something. <laughs> <laughs> but that was probably like definitely. Are, the, were the, they like vintage, vintage games? Were like like those? Like yeah, the, they're the, indie, the Famicom, all the old stuff from the 80s. 'Cause it's just cheaper, Jeff. So it's like, and you can excuse me because I'm ignorant about this stuff. You can play oh, those yeah,
3: still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: have a I have a family com. So yeah, you can play those on modern hardware a lot of times. Then obviously uh go to guy. So I was able to find cause his stuff isn't published much in America, as we know, even though it's he's one of the more published manga kaya. Kind of, but to actually get a hold of some of this stuff was pretty cool to get. So yeah, that's definitely I would say the highlights of the stuff I got so how about you Ed
0: no dude so much stuff man it, it'll be episodes on on the channel and I think I think you got all
1: those you got all that that
2: what Kiko man I can't think of his name is the, the wrestler guy you got you talked about before you went you were going to get a whole set of those books yeah yeah
0: and I ones. got them I got the uh Kiikuman uh set in Bunko edition man because you know that that art that line art is so um spare that it's okay if you shrink it down a little bit you still get the the full story so they somehow with these bunkos it's so fascinating man i think there's 18 volumes in this set but it it covers all of the kinnicky man comics from the 80s which is 37 volumes and it's it's not like the paper is extra thin or something i just have no idea how they did it but it's such a small footprint uh even though it does weigh fucking five six pounds worth of stuff but like i'm calling it right right now the uh the next viral video that me and jimmy are gonna have like this is all tur- ninja turtles Dojinchi, that i that i uh, excavated from the lower depths of mandarake nakano broadway such such titles as pussy on pussy and had the dick so we know what we're in store for but like you know this is this is amateur publications but it looks so professional. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, these guys, they, they choose to – they have the skill set to fucking be badasses. But they choose to draw Ninja Turtles, like 69 and Cox and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 69 and Turtle dicks. Like, that's a fucking dope that's like drawing.
1: The, that's like the Michael Bay version too. Like, they really get into the
0: characters.
1: Usually we just use the stock turtles. These yeah, like-
0: yeah. Like, like I think uh, – because, like, I, I bought some, uh, some Watchmen Doji and Cheese. Really? I, I bought some uh yeah I bought some um you got
1: that fantastic four one right Ed did I did
0: one? yeah and that thing is fresh mm-hmm. as fuck dude like what is that, that is I was
1: wondering because I was hoping that artwork was going to be clutch
0: yeah it was all that same dude so that's a good thing right and it turns out that he's like a he's like an animation director like he's a famous dude so oh. it's just kind of like just like a side hustle that he did wow try to... i'm
2: amazed that as an animation director he has any kind of time time to do anything other than that yeah seeing all these
0: guys work that's this piece right here yeah and, that's a... and like check check that shit out dude that fucking yeah. galactus uh silver surfer joint <laughs> but he has artwork like he does even like a um fucking andrew mclean head lopper joint in here really you know like the modern day image mm-hmm. comic shits um but this will be an episode for sure Nice. You know, like he did this like big ass vein, vein. Oh yeah. Ain't that hard as hell? Yeah. I got a uh, spawn. <laughs> dojinchi How did you find that, Ed? By the way, there was like there was like they, a, they a bunch of them. They didn't, man. They they'd had like a section where like your best shot of finding American properties would be like on these three bookshelves. Okay, got it. And they're all so th- thin, you know. Yeah, if like, you so. So like, you just got to comb through a couple thousand,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but there, and, and Jeff, you talk about like, you know, you had your, your times where it's like, you got to go to Nakano Broadway just by yourself yeah, without mm-hmm. anybody, because you got to go dig in and just have that time for yourself. Like, okay, that, like not, that, like I'm that, like that was, <laughs> well, that was my shit. And you know, I'm embarrassed. Cause I, who knows what the hell I'm pulling out, <laughs> oh. but like, you know, here's a, here's a watchman doji with like a cute little yes. Rorschach. Wow. Um. Hmm. Another Watchmen Dojinshi. and there's a lot of uh, love between Rorschach and Night Owl in these various <laughs> joints, man. But it has nothing to do with the comics. Uh, it's just it's usually aesthetics. It's just said. the movies, man. Like so, like the the comedian uh-huh. looks like the, you know the guy, the actor guy from from the flick and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some more various, like like I could only open up one or two Turtle Joesianchi's at a time before I before I'd had my fill for the day. Pause, no pun intended. <laughs> There's a lot of. In order for me and Jimmy to do the episode, I gotta got get a lot of like I have those like very tiny Post-it notes that are about this big, so I have to go through all these fuckers and just put Post-it notes up with all the. Assholes and calming and all that shit, man. Just so that we could do a proper episode,
1: it's going to get so blurry Ed, that you're going to like miss one. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's going to get you inevitably. It's like oh, you showed Raphael's um, assholes. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then and then uh one of the other things that we did was uh in Ginza there was that Asuchi Kaneko art show.
1: Oh yeah, that was
0: great. And I scooped up the the sort of monographs of of his works. Very, very, uh, I I would say his, his influence is very Western. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's got like a Jamie Hewlett vibe. Um, it's got a Charles Burns vibe to it. Yeah. Charles Burns was heavy. And, and like so much of, uh, these manga illustrators use, uh, Maru nibs and G pens and shit, but he uses brush. So it creates a a much different aesthetic than what you, you typically get from, uh, Japanese comics. And then I got, uh, so much, uh, like I got almost all those Miyazaki storyboard books, but those are shipped. And then I got two rounds. Like I brought in my luggage, one round of Shonen Jumps where I wanted one issue from every year from 1980 to 1991, which is like my, my sweet spot, you know, like the early stuff you get like Cobra and, uh, I think Kinnikuman is in that early joints. And then 91 starts to show up, uh, Slam Dunk and, and, uh, Dragon Ball is, is, you know, Goku is adult Goku and shit, but Jojo starts to show up. I got two rounds of that. So one round is being shipped and the other round is here. And my thought is like, do, do an episode a month on Kayfabe, showing off, you know, one of these things, because not only do you have your heavy hitters, you know, Dr. Slump will start off pretty, pretty soon in, in like 81 or 82, but there are some incredibly accomplished, beautiful looking manga that failed in the surveys and gets canceled. And uh, these, these, these are mystical magazines to me. My, my pops would uh, go to work in uh, Korea and bring, bring back one or two of these. And, you know, Dragon Ball was the only title I could read. Or Slam Dunk. And there's, like, one that's, like, something, something blues. Uh, but every other one, it's just, like, what the fuck kind of comics are these? You know, they even show, like, weird dick and balls things. And, you know, supposed to be for kids, but you would have no idea. And some of these, man, there's, like, two or three different tennis manga. They're just these one-shots, too, that are just amazing that you when you go to japan for the first time and you visit your first comic shop you realize that all that we get in the states is the tip of the iceberg and every day's an education out there man
1: yeah it's as if i was lied to honestly like when i was <laughs> out there i was like wait hold on there's 30 years of like no no, no no guys art just sitting here on the shelf and it's not sacred like the prices are affordable yeah you know? totally
0: yeah because like it's, just millions and millions yeah, millions and millions of copies of these things mm-hmm. were out. You know what I mean? Like a Gona Guy comic might have sold fifty million copies. So like, supply and demand. Well, there's fucking plenty of them out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: I know what you mean. I, I don't think of it as lying, but uh, it's it's almost that same shit as like, what was that dude from Nintendo that like made sure that Mario Two didn't come? How, mm-hmm. Howard Phillips, the dude Howard with the yeah. with the bow tie. It's yeah, like yeah. the shit that comes to us. Is curated by people. And when you like look at like the trajectory, like when, when Viz started publishing, and it's like, you know, we had Lone Wolf and Cub, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We were into ninja shit at that time. Uh, the Viz books that come, it's the three. It's um My the Psychic Girl. So like that's X-Men. You know, that's some psychic, you know, that's Carrie. The St- yeah. Stephen King, so, like, that was yeah. in our pop culture. Kamui is like lone wolf and cub is fresh we can't get that license but like that's you know the next best and then we had that area 88 joint which may cross and voltron and all that shit was on tv so Mm -hmm. you could just you could see one for one yeah the thought process of all the business people that brought shit over to us and and just think about the slow build and slow evolution of like getting americans to kind of like get on board with manga and understand it i think that maybe that raijin comics that i had a subscription to i think that might have been some of the first manga that was not flipped that you read right to left mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying man and that came out in like 2002 or something yeah. so we've been so slow into getting stuff and it's so curated for us but man when you go out there it's like no this is the fly shit that's the other thing i got like five six um maruo books that that like have never come to america what we got two books from that motherfucker and he's got like a whole line out there you know so much shit but like i didn't even open this joint yet um but yeah i got a ton of stuff it's going to be a lot of episodes on kayfabe we'll sprinkle them throughout the year probably that turtles doji will be super high on that list man because we just know that people are going to go bonkers like you see the homophobia of people come out man when you show that shit on instagram and they're like Why'd you, why do you think it's normal to be showing this shit, man? I was like, yeah, just, just you hello, wait. Hello, just you wait, buddy. You, down. After, you know what? After, after I, like, I saw like that behavior, I promise you I was looking close to try to find some Punisher shit with gay <laughs> sex in it, man because that would just be the ultimate you know they made it that would that would be the ultimate you just couldn't reach high enough on the shelf and it was a little bit higher that's (laughs) it and it wouldn't be based on the comics it would be based on like the thomas jane movie or something like that because they i mean they shit on our comics and and after you like really dig deep and get into this stuff you kind of see the work that we have to do the cream rises here no doubt but uh there's a lot of work that that we have to do man because a lot of stuff that people hold up high here would carry shows, zero shows, weight out there. Exactly. It shows how young we are, actually, as comic creators. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's a terrible way to that's put culture. it. Yeah. But one of the interesting things that I found out there was that the first three issues of Shonen Jump had American shit in it. it oh, ha- really? It had two Al Williamson strips, uh, Corrigan and um, uh, Secret Agent X9. Yeah. And then uh, Mandrake the fucking Magician had a uh was like an issue two or something and then they threw that shit to the wayside it was like fuck this
2: yeah
0: you know we'll do our own thing man
2: even as a kid a mandrake was always like what is this guy is i
0: don't a, these le-
2: he, he just like an illusionist and then he had you know that that horrible lothar the guy i thought he was like a shriner he was you know he was this uh, african i guess he was the muscle guy in the thing and and then he had this girl who was always, I was like, as a kid, I was like, oh, she was always running around in a bikini, and I was kind of interested in that. <laughs> uh, well, that was the only adventure strip they had in the paper when I was a kid was that and Rex Morgan MD.
0: <laughs> you know, in that World Encyclopedia of Comics, the one that had your, your dude, uh, K- Kato, K- Kato, yeah. in it, um, they even cite Rex Morgan MD comics as sucking ass. Even <laughs> back then, I forget what they called it, but basically it. It it's in it, it's you know, to have a space on a yeah. on a daily strip like like you don't relinquish that if yeah. if it's up to you. So they just were shitting that thing out <laughs> yeah, for decades. The word. And and on all the same ones, man, all that like um Mary Worth, all that stuff, they they cite nothing critically nice about <laughs> any of that oh, shit. And
2: Mark Trail, that was the other Mark Trail, some like Forest Ranger, he looked like Fred McMurray at this fleece street and he always had a pipe. I was like, What? nothing ever happens it's like look at that tree i think it's growing you think so yeah it's getting taller yeah well tune in next week to see if the roots take
3: hold
0: (laughs) and it's it it is always astounding like the phantom and mandrake the magician how they like grow legs the way they do outside of our country you know like
2: uh, the phantom in australia was like huge long after it died here
0: yeah 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 you know it's just like You know, it's David Hasselhoff, man. You oh, know, right. yeah, that I type of shit. He's a respected musician in Germany.
2: Starskin mm. Hutch in France. It was, it's been on constantly. It was on so long and showing show on Sunday. And when I moved here, the show had been off for 10 years and it was still running. And the fashions had come back. That the, the bell bottoms and it had started yeah. coming back. And was like, oh, man, you
0: know, it looks modern again. Like it, sort of. I would love to hear the French Huggy Bear and what he well, may sound like.
2: And, and 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 his name is in French. It's the the, the friendly pimp, <laughs> and it has a theme song. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, and the American you know, dun 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 dun. You know, like something like that. But then it's like, it's starzy. <laughs> They're two good friends who fight crime all the time. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh my god, it's really just. I should I, I'll 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 tape it sometimes or I'm on my phone and send it to you because it's so funny. It's
0: like,
3: yeah. The friendly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that shit works, man. I used to like I would have this uh Spanish fr- homie at art school and just like. Ask him the translated titles of uh, of um, movies that that are popular in like Madrid, Spain, when he lived there, and just that the the translation would just be
2: oh, yeah, ridiculous. I sit there with my wife and I go, "Wait a minute! They translated, you know, something like I know some great title like I, I can't and it's just some. They literally translated he is holding a hammer.' It's, <laughs> it's like hammerhead. It's like he is holding a hammer. Or something <laughs> something goofy like that. How do you take you know?" Citizen Kane was probably something like a newspaper uh, bazaar. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) The um, the one that I remember is uh, Night Rider translates to Fantastic Car in um, Madrid, Spain. (laughs) Anyhow, man, guys, thank you so much for joining. Man, that was Manga Quest 2022. It's going to. You just caught a small glimpse. Uh, with this conversation, uh, but it's one of those transformative experiences. If you have the chance to go to a country where comics are that respected, yeah. it, it makes you feel uh, like like uh, you you're doing what you're what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. It makes
0: you feel like you're in a place that embraces all the work and uh- effort that you put into your craft and to be perfectly honest man it changes the artwork when you when you get back home and you digest this stuff and you sit with it and you go through all this work and it's going to uh, affect the channel over the next year with uh, a lot of the bounty that uh that we siphoned from from uh from those various uh, stores and stuff and i fully anticipate there being a manga quest 2023 i hope to go out there with you guys and do the same this time, Great. man, I'm taking Jim Rug out there, kicking and screaming, whether he likes it or not.
1: Jimmy, you're coming, bro. Yeah, yeah.
2: you got to go. And, and I, I would like to see it. anybody who's thinking of going to Japan, they're worry about it because, well, I don't speak the language. Don't be worried. People speak English over there, and it's pretty self-explanatory over there. It's. It, don't be afraid to go to someplace.
1: Yeah, and I can actually um, agree with that wholeheartedly because, like, As you know, I'm black, obviously, and people were like, oh, Brian, they treat black people different. It's like, well, that's a lie. It's not true. It may have been in the past, perhaps, but had no issues. Everyone was helpful, more helpful there than they are here. So it was amazing. Very positive. Yeah, man. It's a a good cultural
2: experience for anybody, I think, at any rate, to go, whether it's Japan or France, anywhere. Go to another country and see that, you know, another point of view on life and it's, it's it's it opens up a lot of a lot of doors for
0: you. Jeff, I feel like you're in the catbird seat of it all, man, because like what are the three big cultures that embrace comics, man? It's Japan, France, and, and America.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You got the little but tentacles I, everywhere.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I but I always feel like I'm I'm somewhere over the Atlantic and the Pacific because I'm not quite american i'm not quite french i'm not
0: quite japanese i don't know what the hell i am horrible <laughs> hybrid thing. you're one of a kind man and, and it's a pleasure well, getting to know you thank you it was really great meeting you
2: brian and yeah, I, i'm really glad I, I, I went to that exhibit with you guys and i wasn't going to go and i thought oh, what the hell and i was really glad i went. and that was that was a yeah, lot no, of fun
1: yeah totally yeah it was a great experience and um thank you for this book once again it's funny because it actually has like value to me not in the context of a book but that you gifted it wow. so it's very appreciative i have a question for you
2: did ed give me that thousand yen because i because I really <laughs> no he that
1: kept pen. it he kept it
2: no
3: no he gave it to me <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you don't have to do that. well i don't think i don't know gonna think, oh that take it for granted that you know like oh i'm gonna give you this
0: pen for free i don't want you to think i was
1: no, 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 not at all. I didn't even think about it that way. But it was very considerate, very polite.
0: You know it was fun, too, like, be, thinking about it. We could have even started off the show the show with the shit. But, like, while I was traveling, because, like, I went out there a couple days ahead of you guys. Um, but I was, like, brokering that deal. Because, like, you, you guys didn't know each other at that point. Yeah. And Jeff saw the Ren and Stimpy episode that we did huh. uh, at your studio. It was that like, was man, easy. I like that one. Yeah. 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 He's like, man, I like that one piece with the uh, dudes riding the so horseback.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a great piece.
0: Yeah, and I was like, well, brian got, like, maybe 10 of God. them. Yeah,
2: Because well, I thought, when he said you got that big pile, I
0: thought, God, you
2: must
1: have paid, like, I don't know, thousands of dollars for those things. Yeah, well, me, I can you the price off air, but basically it was really cheap per piece. But, yeah, it was pretty wild. And the guy sat on it for, like, years. He didn't even care about it. Wow. He thought it was – like he's going to use that as promotion for his store and give them away.
2: When I was at Hanna Barbera, they'd throw that stuff out in the dumpster. and Every once in a while, would go out there and look. I mean, there was just so mm-hmm. much. I mean, how many cells do I need of you know Barney Rubble? But <laughs> right. know, Smurf stuff, and they just you know they couldn't they couldn't keep that stuff. There's so much of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you even saw the residue because I brought you that one piece, that Batman piece, and I was like, that was just in the stack with the rest of it. And I was just like, okay, this is random. So I can imagine how much of that. Um, got tossed away
0: yeah so like you had that piece and then uh and then jeff brought a lot of drawings out to sell original drawings and then you guys brokered that deal man to uh trade yeah. trade a, uh trade a nixon joint yeah for uh, a red and stimpy man and that was like the first connection i like we were handling that shit while i was like in the airport
1: yeah <laughs> it's funny I, I carry it everywhere with me and study jeff i just like keep i just keep it by my side i'm just like all right, I gotta, I gotta learn. Absorb all the energy, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: so fun seeing Jeff draw, man. Like, oh my like, gosh, oh, on the tabletop and stuff, and going oh, through all those pieces. You know, you know. Here's, the, here's the biggest regret of the whole weekend, man. And I'll, I'll flash up a little image of that shit, dude. Everybody needs to see it, especially if they sat through this video lo- that that long, man. But <laughs> Jeff Darrow drew this Spider-Man piece.
2: Oh, that thing's garbage.
0: Oh, that is not garbage. Do you see the folds in the gear? Yeah, well, it's it was- simple
2: well the only thing the only thing that was interesting about that was that I was told when I was there because I also did a, a drawing of Toto because I like could draw him. and that stuff is like you can't do that over there uh, they told me that yeah that they'll come in because it's trademark stuff and at the at the comic conventions like that they said that they'll they'll come and they'll take them away so uh,
1: that's wild
0: yeah <clears throat> <clears throat> wow but, but that piece that piece it went fire man like I like I took a, a flick of it and put it on my um instagram and everybody was flipping seeing that uh that spider-man joint and uh that's the one that like man i should i ha- i should have bought that thing off you
2: i'll send you the drawing i got
0: the drawing you you still have you didn't sell it well i've got the pencil drawing because you know, i draw on a light box so right did you did you look at reference for that man because like people were like oh dude like that looks like a kick kick flipping skateboarder
2: mm, I, I think i had a picture of uh remember yeah I had like a picture of like a super I think I looked at like a a, a Power Ranger thing I just like changed it because I like the I wanted to get the okay. like I wanted him to look like he was wearing a costume.
0: Yeah like the, the, the he he's
1: it. He he just,
2: it. I don't know because I mean whenever I drew, whenever they talk about drawing Batman I always wanted to draw Batman like he was in one of those serials or like Adam West because yeah. think it's not the you know not, not the Barty armor one but the because <laughs> the cloth <laughs> I mean, I mean, costume he looks he looks kick-ass you know one of the christopher nolan films but you know but if i was like god if he could draw like adam west and take him seriously and have him fucking killing people that would be fantastic but they'd never let me do it
0: <laughs> they'd be fools not to let you do it uncle jeff man guys thank you so much for joining me here thank on you. kayfabe uh we are back in the states uh for the past month we've been putting up episodes from the archives, but uh, just before we get out of here, Brian, I think your Outer Heaven book's got a reprint. Yeah, Um, it came through. What else else you got out there, man? Let the people know. We got
1: Eightfold Path, that's currently out through Abrams. And then Outer Heaven number one is out. And I got inspired and I'm working on my manga. We use that word loosely, but I'll start uploading that in about two weeks. I have about eight pages done and i'll be kicking it and promoting it through the patreon so i'll keep everyone up to date on
0: that super cool yeah. and and jeff uh the collection for shaolin cowboy must be forthcoming it's coming out in april awesome yeah. awesome oversized book anything so, anything else uh to promote before then uh and by the way when when that trade comes out we gotta we gotta reconvene man and and, and sell some copies
2: that'd be nice yeah Yeah. No, i'm just a like I've told you I've been working on a, a comic book. I'm 30 some pages into it, and I don't know if I'll ever finish it,
0: or if it's worth continuing with. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel Completely like I've lost. known you long enough. I lost. feel like I've known you long enough, Jeff. That I feel like that might be your process.
2: I don't. I don't know. It's it's a very odd thing because I, I I don't know. I think am I am I repeating myself? I mean, comics are repeating anyway. There's I
0: mean, people want the same thing. I don't. I you know what, man? That's another piece that's in this uh, Otomo interview that's so great in that Art of Wall thing, where he's mm-hmm. cutting down series mangaka that have like, you know, 20 volumes, 30 volumes. He's like, that is no story. That is formula. Fuck yeah. that shit.
2: Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with him. But I mean, it, but people like it, it's familiar, you know, you Yeah. like I mean, I love, I mean, I love Dragon Ball. And I mean, after some point, it's just like one tournament after another. It's basically the same story. He always manages to make it more interesting, but...
0: Yeah. He also talks about um, when he was starting out, when he was just, you know, co-high to uh, some bigger mangaka, he was assisting on a, a Mahjong manga, which is very, very popular out there. There's There's whole, like, weekly... Magazines of just Mahjong manga so there might be you know 10, 15 guys tackling the subject every week. you could buy that manga wow. yeah and uh, he was he was uh, assisting on one and he was awake for four whole days oh. and his only duty was drawing and using, you know, tech pens and rulers and shit. Fucking Mahjong tiles.
1: Oh my God. That sounds horrible.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, drawing all those squares probably uh, helped him when he did a all those bills, those windows. Because holy shit, man. Yeah. Uh, that's why we go back that whole day When he says
0: he did it all by himself.
2: There's no fucking way he can that do that. no way. Anyway. And, and, there's that,
0: no and, it's, and that's Jeff Darrow talking. Like, like we we know what Jeff Darrow's artwork. Yeah, but, I, like, yeah, man, but so. I
2: I had a, a you know, I had as much time as I wanted to do it. I mean, he's like you know that weekly thing. And when you hear those things, like they have to have a conference with their their editor to decide whether this the this installment the story and installment is correct. They spend two days deciding on that. I'd be like, oh watching my clock, man.
0: Yeah, totally, totally, man. uh But anyhow, that that art of wall. Uh, interview like that that's a must have read because the the insights of Otomo's mindset is just it's astounding stuff thank you guys so much man here's the manga quest 2023 maybe have a couple more soldiers rolling out there man taking over the city have no idea what else to even scoop up from out of there man because like when I got home and started looking at things that first day back I didn't go to sleep for hours even after traveling more than 24 (laughs) hours because I'm like holy shit I accidentally fucked up and brought back all the best stuff that exists in japan in tokyo man it felt illegal it felt like i stripped nat- like natural resources from from oh, someplace or something
2: there's there's lots more
0: <laughs> yeah it's true it's true and, and we're gonna get it man thank you yep. guys so much uh for 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 joining me and uh everybody out there man read more manga